Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard, and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL tour. Back for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast, and only three rounds left in the NRL season box head until we hit the final series. And I guess kicking things off again today, as we always do with our set of six, we'll address what everyone's probably heard about. And uh, to be honest, I don't, I don't want to spend a heap of time on it, but it'll probably take a couple of minutes to get through. Similar to last week, is Penrith, Griffin being sacked, Ivan Cleary. Etc. Etc. And just the whole mess that that has been, and everything that has ensued uh, following last week's chat and all the talk on the TV, Gus's comments, Griffin's comments, Ivan saying that he's going to be staying at the Tigers, etc. Uh, what do you make of the whole situation now? Well, this time last week we hadn't heard from Griffin, so it was a pretty, it was a pretty explosive interview in that he 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 was passive aggressive. I thought. Um, one part of it he was totally he was well off on was the fact that the juniors when he took over it was a basket case that's horseshit because in the I wrote an article today for the Nepean News it'll be out on Thursday but um, we'll post it up on the page uh, out of the in the Matt's ball and and twenties for the four years that Ivan was there only one of those sides missed the finals during that time they made five grand finals they won two NYC titles so to say that the junior reps and he he picked up a shambles is an absolute joke. Um, what a lot of people also forget is that Ivan Cleary made a preliminary final in 2014, basically with a side that was patched together after they had to move on, Michael Jennings, Luke Lewis, a lot of high-profile players. So his coaching was good enough to get them to a preliminary final with an inferior squad to what Griffin has only managed to get to sixth spot, in my opinion, uh, over the last couple of years. So for me, I think Penrith handled it very poorly. I think the way it was executed the way that most of, most things have been leaked out through the media. Uh, I think that's been a real poor reflection on Panth- the Panthers as a club and the leadership of the place. Good, strong clubs, they don't leak. Um, and Penrith has just leaked like a sieve, particularly for the last 18 months. But Griffin was way off um, in that aspect. Then Gould got on the footy show and, and didn't miss when he said he embarrassed himself and... Uh, people had been protecting him and then obviously dropped the bombshell that Cameron Serraldo had apparently tried to resign twice and Gus talked him around. Um, it's a bit of a shambles. It's made everyone look pretty poor. Uh, and I think Anthony Griffin, I'm not sure whether he wins or loses out of that interview. I, I guess in the long term, time will tell as to whether he picks up another NRL gig. My gut feel at the moment says that he won't. He'll probably have to move to the Super League. And Penrith, this next decision that they make based on who he's going to coach the side next year, to me, will define the Gus Gould era at Penrith. I can't argue. 
Uh, I think I stick with what I said last week. Obviously, the premiership is the defining thing that comes from it all, but I'll never take away from the fact that Gus has helped the club massively financially. The academy, getting things back on track. Ivan Cleary, as we've said the whole way along, deserves more credit than probably anyone, along with Matt Cameron, for the development pathways that have been put in that have bared the fruit of all these players right now. So I'm going to go through it, probably break it down in different pieces. I think the Tigers handled themselves fantastically. I think they'll spot on the mark. They have every right to say no, back off, and be pissed off about the situation, as do all the Tigers fans. Mm. Ivan, like I said last week, I thought he'd be a man of his word, and for the time being, it seems that way. I don't think it's the end of it, though. Well, I copped some shit last week for saying I was pretty much he the only go. person that said that he wouldn't go, and I copped a little bit of shit on Twitter and Facebook about it. Um, and what what people need need to understand, just because it appears on Twitter doesn't mean it's fucking true. No. How many like, stories so have you seen that haven't just, come true? It's paper talk. Just... Either you've got solid facts and you know someone who's in the know and, and they've told you and you trust them. If something comes up on Twitter or it's a journo trying to spin a story or at the moment, Gus Gould has said something. Like Gus Gould is, is him and Wayne Bennett are the two best manipulators of the media I've ever seen. Um, and he's, he's been proven to tell porkies, to tell whoppers. Well, he's told lies the whole way through. So, and- you know, and, and that... That has been to protect certain people, which is fine. I get that. That's part of his job. But, you know, we keep we keep uh, taking the bait. And, you know, if you're going to keep taking the bait, I think you're pretty stupid. So for me, I don't believe a lot of what comes out of any NRL club. I believe in what actually happens. Well, you've got to take it what the journos have all been saying in the last couple of days as well. Where there's speculation, they're going to throw it out there and question things until they, they get are. something back. Like the Trent Barrett thing. Yesterday, they were going and just going a little off trail. They were going at Lyle Gorman. There's speculation. There's no facts behind it or nothing to back it up right now, but there's speculation and no one's answered the question, will he be there next year? Mm. But that's a journalist's job. Has he so every time the journalist notice. puts something up, even if it's speculation, unless they've got a quote or something definitive, don't just read every story they post up and think take it as gospel. That's their job. That's their job to create things like that, to get people to buy papers, to get people talking. Yeah. They know themselves and that they love it's the them. Americanization of Australian sport. sport. But yeah... Um, I think just going through it and defining it, I think the Tigers, like I said, handled themselves really well. Got on the front foot, said there's no way he's going to be leaving, and I think if he was going to be leaving, they would have got hefty compensation. In my eyes, if I'm the Tigers and they were going to take him and it was untenable and the playing group and him and it all couldn't see eye to eye, he had about $1.6 million, the money they're kind of talking, left for the last two but years. That, like- they would have got a hefty payday and players. Like, there's no way I would have been letting him walk without being heavily compensated. And when I say heavily, I mean heavily compensated and I would have been pressing the Panthers to say out of some young kids or an NRL talent who's coming off contract you tell us who you don't want and we want you to go them to them directly and tell them that they're not going to be there in the next 12 months so there's an offer there from the Tigers not just give us an opportunity to pick some I want you to prompt them that that's offer is going to be on the table if we're interested mm. so it could have been money could have been players but I'm glad they stood their ground uh, I have no issue with any of the way they've handled themselves Ivan Cleary I think 50-50 the way he handled things I Said last week with you, I'd like to believe he's a man of his word, and I will say for now that I'm happy that he has said he's going to stay. I'm still not buying 100% yet that things are done. I'd like to think that he will stay there, though, at the Tigers, and I will take him on his word, but obvious reasons, he could have squashed things a lot earlier, and he didn't. So yeah, for all this talk think, now... I that, also think he didn't want to come out and bite on the media. I think he had the shits nah, but the fact that his name was even thrown around. To say, I, oh, this meeting just happened and I've just told... It, like it, it all, I believe that. I believe I that think it all happened earlier about, than about what, what we're find, finding it about. And, you know, all could have come... I think he could have squashed it a bit earlier. So 
Yeah. Not bagging him, but I just think he maybe could have got on the front foot because it went a couple of days before we got a word out of him. Mm. And then the prepared statement was just that. There was nothing else around it. There was no other questions answered. So I still think we're a little bit in the dark there. Um, Griffin, I'd have to say similar to you, I think 50-50 on the situation. I think he spoke very well the other night. I didn't think he was ultimately disrespectful, but I do agree with that one comment that you made is 100% right. There's no way he can lay claim to it being a basket case or take credit for those juniors or the foundations that you were know, laid. Or that his job was to build a club build from a club. within. Uh, that was the philosophy that Gus came with in 2011 when he took over. His the job was to come there and take over what was already a very talented setup and take it to the next level, which he couldn't do. But do at the same time, I go back to it, the last people, uh, Gus and the Panthers, who to me have just handled themselves disgustingly and disgracefully throughout this whole process... The spin of, I wasn't coaching. Oh, yeah, but I did some coaching. Then that backflipped. And no, he's guaranteed he's going to be there for the two years. No, we've spoke to the board. It was untenable. The board sacked him, not me. Then the board and Brian uh, Fletcher came out and said that Gus sacked him. Like, it's smoke and mirrors, and they've got a mixed message coming out of the place. They've handled it just shambolically. Um, the fact that he's had two or three separate digs at Griffin as well, I think you can kick a man when he's down. But at the end of the day... You said you do. You did your due diligence. Well, if you did your due diligence, you wouldn't have hired him in the first place. Mm. You tried to get a puppet in there. You didn't get a puppet. You got a coach. He got a yes man who said no. And coaches are and strong characters. And you know yourself, you need to be a strong character to be a coach. And to push coaching philosophies and other bits and pieces, I go back to my original point. He is one of the smartest, if not the smartest, mind in rugby league, Gus Gould. But you are either the GM or you're the fucking coach. If you're not, stay out of it. If you don't like what the coach is doing, don't hire the coach. Don't fire the coach originally that you're trying to get back now out of ego and whatever happened there to bring somebody in that you couldn't manipulate and now try and get him back. It's been eight years or seven years or whatever it's been now, three coaches, two CEOs, God knows whatever else and all the bullshit and lies. And they went through it the other day in the media and I'm not going to go through every single quote, but all the back and forth from the start of the year to July or whatever we've heard. And then the bullshit line by all of them that, Oh, we thought if we gave him job security, we could work with him. It does. No one in football gives someone two years and pat him on the when, back when and go, oh, well, we'll just figure out. We'll just try when and they, work with him. When they did it, I said, that's exactly what it is. It's it's just to try and stop the media speculation. And it didn't. It didn't at it, all. It was ridiculous. Since when in any job, if I'm doing a piss poor job or you're not happy with me, do you give me a pay rise or an extension, pat me on the back and go, hey, mate, we'll work with you? No. In a situation like that where the yeah. clock is ticking, when there's salary cap restraints, when you've got juniors that are about to come off contract and your window is open right now, there is no time to fuck around. Mm. You get the right coaching, you do the job, you enable everyone to do their jobs. And that's why, you know, and I don't think... what I originally said, this is the biggest decision that Gus is going to make in 100%. his tenure. He needs to get this coaching appointment right because it's going to be the difference between taking this side, I think, they could win multiple premierships, in my opinion. They shouldn't win multiple premierships, um, in my opinion. Or should. they could just fizzle out. If they get coached like they're getting coached at the moment, they're going to be they're going to be a finals team, but they're not going to go to that next level. But I'm at the point now. It's plain and simple. No one's dumb enough to you know be fooled by it. And it's some it's very very simple thing. But I think I saw a bit yesterday on the. Uh, was it the Sunday night show where they get Spud to come out to Penrith and every single yeah. bloke, man and his dog, even if they've. Only watch Penrith play. All said the exact same thing. What do you, who do you reckon they're going to hire next? They'll probably just get another puppet that says yes. Yeah, they also the, the common person out in Penrith or people that don't watch every single game every week of all parts of it or people that aren't even involved with the club don't basically know. know the niche of what's going on out here. So I think from the Penrith side of things, for as strong as the club is, for as good as the setup, for as good as all the juniors and everything that's there right now, uh, this has really hurt them this week. And in particular, like I said, I've lost no respect for Gus, the football mind, the coach, and all the other bits and pieces, but as far as the GM, I've yeah. lost a lot of respect. I've, yeah, I, I just think it's been handled poorly by all in sundry. I think 
The um, I think the board's got to take some responsibility for that as well, because anyone in senior management at the Panthers has to take some ownership. Who made the ultimate decisions, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera, who knows? Um, well, just that as well. Because Gus has sort of said, you know, it was a board's decision. And then you hear from Griffin and other people that Gus runs the club with an iron yeah, fist and so they just I listen to I Gus. So. I don't know. We don't know that. So I, I just sort of go, well, okay, someone's got to take responsibility for it. Everyone in senior management should have a say. Yeah. The so, board the board should be strong enough to collaborate with him, not just answer to anything he says. Because any smart businessman, and there's a lot of smart businessmen on that panel, would be looking at it right now going, well, my return on my investment, what we've got here, where we're heading... Why have we gone through three coaches, two GMs, God knows what else we've got here, and we've still got no result from it? What, what are we doing? Where are we going? You tell us why and why why and where. What are we doing? Why are we at the point we're at now? Who are we hiring moving forward? And this would be a critical decision, I think, not only, like you said, for Penrith, but for Gus's legacy at Penrith. Because I'm never going to take I away from right, everything that they've done, but for the Panthers right now, this next hire, like you've said, is just is massive. It is huge. Huge. Um, but yeah, that's just the my one thing. Away. Like. Penrith are never, ever, ever, as long as they stick with this development model, it's got to evolve. They're never going to have to go and buy players. They've got you a constant have to ever farm buy players. of players because it's the biggest junior league in the world. They, you know, In the club's history, they should never have had to buy no, players. So they went off the rails That's, for that's a one part that he's he's absolutely set this place up. Yep, Phenomenally, of the centre of All of that's good. The financial the one, side got The fixed. one glaring hole at the moment is the NRL. NRL team. side. Everything's yeah. flowed up to the NRL, but the NRL yep. is where the buck stops and you've got to be winning yep. premierships. The Penrith Panthers in the Penrith area, like I said, we're born, bred, and raised here. We know how good that junior comp is and the players that are coming out of it. Yeah. They should be winning one trophy every year, whether it be 16s, 18s, 20s, or be contending for at least all those finals or two of those finals every single year. Yeah. And those players should be constantly funneling through. And as a fan, you should never be frustrated as a Penrith fan. You go, oh, I think we lost that bloke. Because you go, oh, hold on. We won the SG ball this year. We let a back row go. But we've got Sean Bloor, who's 18 years old, New South Wales 18s captain, Already playing under 20s here. He's going to be ready to play first grade in another year or two's time. We've got a replacement. All that stuff up to that point. But like you said, the critical thing is what's going on at the top grade. And it's the coach, yeah. the assistant side of it. There's been a lot of stories I'm not going to go into there about he's saying he got all the support in the world. I've heard otherwise that he didn't get all the support in the world. And Griffin, you're talking about. Already conspiring yeah. against him before things even got going. And there's a lot of hearsay. But yeah, I think my final takeaway, even after watching the weekend, not a lot changed. Um, and I don't think a lot can change by the back end of the season, but I wouldn't be going with a 32-year-old coach who's only been around for a couple of years. It's Michael Maguire or Wayne Bennett from what's available. People suggesting Des Hasler and these other people, you've got to give yourself a triple. Jeff Toovey, no. Not a rookie coach. The two contenders for me is either can Wayne Bennett come in, do what he does, and man manage and drive this side forward with the right assistance because we all know that he's great at putting people around himself to do the job that needs to be done with the attack or with the defence. Or do you bring in someone like Michael Maguire, well, who brings a harder edge? Go back last week's podcast, and they're the two names that I said. And I agree with you at the end. They're the two names. Or if you want to go long-term, Michael Maguire, hard edge from Melbourne, went to Wigan, went to South. Yes, he's quite intense, but we all know that when you lose a job, you've got to go back to the drawing board and look. He just didn't adjust his attack and his philosophy in that sense. And I'm sure he's looking there right now at South, going, they only made one player change this year, obviously with Cook playing, but he was already there and buying Dane Gagai, and they're now running equal first in the competition. And he would be learning from that. So they're the two. But in the end, yes, Tiger's very good. Ivan 50-50, I don't think that's a done deal. Gus, I think, has taken the biggest hit out of everyone here in the Panthers club. But, um, yeah, huge moving forward. Coaching, though, tackle two. Doesn't stop for us. Barrett, apparently, Trent Barrett, 
sending a legal letter to Manly. Uh, it happened at the start of the year about some bits and pieces that they said were going to be in place as far as football managers, equipment, help around the job. And they've uh, issued a bit of a warning that if these things aren't fulfilled or the help is not given, that he will potentially walk away from the club. People are arguing that's insanity without having another job to go to, but other people are arguing it's as bad for his reputation to be there with a poor side and a poor setup and getting poor results for him moving forward to get another job. Mm-hmm. So given this whole situation, uh, the Manly CEO, Lyle Gorman, came out yesterday and reckons they have hired somebody in that football jam role and a couple of the roles they're talking about and everything's fine. Where do you sit if you're Trent Barrett or Manly? How do you th- what do you think about this situation? Well, if I've got another job, then I'd leave. If I don't have another job, I'd be staying. Simple as that. Yep. I, I don't know what stipulations were put in his contract in terms of what facilities had to be there. But you know when you're leaving Penrith and you're going to Manly that the facilities, there's going to be a big difference And resourcing. Them. If staff, um, that's the other big key point. You know, Gareth Holmes left who, you know, he's he's worked with the Australian side. He's pretty handy football manager. He was at Parramatta Eels for a long time. Uh, he left to go to Canterbury with Andrew Hill, who's also an ex-Parramatta man, and they filled that role. Um, John Bonacera, I think, went there from, from Canberra. Canberra, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I look at it and think, well, I, is Trent Barrett's coaching CV attractive enough for him to just jump around club to club, for him to be demanding that he can go somewhere else, somewhere better? Well, the jobs that could potentially open up, the Broncos are definitely not hiring him. No. Penrith have tried to quell that rumour, but would they bring him back? I don't know. Well, I wouldn't think so because I, I a lot of people forget that you know the only time Penrith missed the finals in the Holden Cup was when Trent Barrett was a coach. So, and the year after, we won the comp. But again, we've got to read into the smoke and mirrors, which is Gus Gould who wrapped him and Get wrapped Garth Brennan and let all of them go. So yeah. does he legitimately have a wrap on him or not? We no, don't know. I, well, I so, don't think he does. I, that's my opinion. I, I don't think Gus has a wrap on Trent Barrett. So that's one thing there. And then if you look elsewhere, if South's coach Seabold was to move on and Bennett was to come onto the market, would South be an option for Barrett? I don't think they'd hire Trent Barrett either. Or if Mary McGregor got fired at the uh, Dragons, I don't know if they'd hire him. I mm. think they'd be more interested in a Mike McGuire, a Wayne Bennett again, or any a couple of blokes before him. So I'm of a similar opinion to you, but I think at the same time, if they've made promises contractually and the Pens are just tired asking it, which they have been known to do over their track record and they're not going to pay out, then why bother? If you don't want to compete in the NRL, like you need to dip in or sell the club. And there's been talk before they refuse to sell it. My opinion is if you're not trying to make it grow and push forward with it, let it go. Help the club out, help the players out, help out the fans and people that aren't rocking up because this year's been pretty poor, yeah. in all honesty. Brookvale used to be rocking. Uh, the salary cap issues, the club issues, everything all, else we've seen. It's based on winning. Yeah, he's not helping. Don't but winning. Yeah, and the off-field side of it, I don't think he's got the support that he's needed this year with some of the dramas that have happened as well. But um, I'm with you. If he doesn't have another job... You can't really go can't anywhere. Walk. And the other thing they spoke about last night, whether he made some money during his career or not, the difference between head coaching at $600,000 or roughly whatever they reckon he's on compared to being assistant or not employed is almost half a million dollars difference. So yeah. I highly doubt he's going to be walking away from that anytime no, soon. He'd be, he'd be losing 300 k Oh, minimum. easily. Yeah. All right. Tackle three. We're still on the theme of coaches. This whole merry-go-round, which is potentially upon us. Wayne Bennett. Definitely out at the Broncos, more reports. No way he's going to be there next year. And that's got a knock-on effect because a lot of these young blokes signed deals apparently that had ratchet clauses that if Bennett's not there, they can renegotiate again. Will Tevita Pangai re-sign after saying the only reason he wants to be there is because of Wayne Bennett? Um, does Anthony Seabold go there? He's having a great year this year. Do they win the comp? Does that stop him from moving? But mysteriously, they've put their contract, he's put his contract talks off to the end of the season. Brisbane has suddenly shut theirs down for the end of the season. Mary McGregor and his situation, I 
don't know, but the fans are growing restless as they have been the last few years, that if they crash and burn again at the back end of the season, is he under pressure? We've got the Penrith job to be filled. We could potentially have four positions up for grabs and coaches either rotating in or out or filling these jobs. It's just, it's insanity. Yeah, craziness. Absolute craziness. Would- Look, the Wayne Bennett one, he's played hardball, he's played softball, he's, he's played media, he's played the players, he's played no talkies. I, yeah, he's tried every uh, every avenue in order to try and get another deal with the Broncos. And one other uh, one, he sorry. came out and said that he he suggested that Craig Bellamy uh, talk to the Broncos. He then came out and He's said that he was disappointed that Paul White went and approached Craig Bellamy. So there's as many lies coming out of uh, Wayne yeah. Bennett as what there is out of Penrith at the moment. Well, the thing about it is. Anthony Seabold, if you are Anthony Seabold, he played lower grades there. He's got a great affinity, apparently, with Paul White. It's bad timing for Anthony Seabold. I think would he go there? No, I, I don't think so. You don't think he'll I don't go think there? So I think um, he's a loyal guy. So who does Brisbane go? He for? bounced around a little bit, but um, Seabold. He went to Melbourne, went to Manly, went to well, growth South. and a couple of years at every club. He didn't leave instantly. Yeah, I'm not sure, but is there a reason why he moved on, or he just jumped around for a bit? I think of he was just trying to learn. People. It, like, from my dealings with him, fantastic guy, super smart. Maybe head coaches moved him on because they were uncomfortable in how much he knew. I, I think that might be a part of why he, why he sort of bounced around a little bit. I don't think under Craig Bellamy. I think he probably spent the two years no. there and went, beautiful. Experience. Um, I'll go and have a look at Manly. He went with Madge before, yeah. and then he did Manly. He did the Queensland job. But he's, he's one of those guys, if, if he was my assistant, I'd feel uncomfortable because he's the smartest dude in the room. You All know? I can say, though, I don't is... know. I don't know. I think Seabold stays... I don't write it off though. He's yeah. got bloodlines there. He's but from me, Red Hill. Be, would you really up and like it's just going to be a real black mark against your name in your first year as a coach? I get that, but at least in his situation, he's off contract. That's my thing. Like, it, say what you will, he's not in contract. It's his decision. If the Broncos, it's is a he only child, got a one year deal. He they want to extend him, and I think yeah, but he's only got a one. I think deal. he's got next year. But if he you can sign within twelve months, I think like the players can. So if he signs. 12 months in advance, I highly doubt South will want him there in the preseason. Yeah. So maybe they hire David Ferner, sorry to the fans. Who knows? But doubt it. in my eyes, I think there's a possibility. If not, I don't know what the Broncos do. I really don't know what they do. Um, do they give a stopgap for 12 months and give a crack to Demetrio, who they've denied when Wayne Bennett proposed that idea and him being a football GM? The name they keep throwing up is Kevin Walters, and I'm sorry to say, but... He, Sorry to say. He gets he got revved up and spiteful and bit after a couple of games at Origin. He's not lasting 25 rounds in the NRL week to week. He's not managing a roster, developing juniors, salary caps, etc. all the bits and pieces. I'm sure he wouldn't have anywhere near the responsibility or full control of the football department as a Wayne Bennett would, but there's nothing to me that suggests that Kevin Walters would be a successful NRL coach. So the fact that that's been mentioned I think is crazy. The manly job, going back to that one, there's talk that Neil Henry is more than happy to jump back in if Trent Barrett moved on for a cut price. And apparently the Pens, as most people said, are quite tight ass on most things. We'd be very happy with that situation. I think for Neil Henry, that'd just be another dead end. And I don't know if he'd mix well with that group, which has already had issues with his hard line kind of approach. From the Penrith side of things, I think Maguire or Bennett's your best bet. For the Dragon side of things, um, everyone getting restless there. If they go bang, bang, back door, run into the back of the season here. not far on Mary McGregor. You don't think they will? No way. If they did, hypothetically, who would you want? I think Maguire, again, is the man that has a lot of doors opening for him out, if a couple know. of people get sacked. Would you Mate, bring Wayne Mike, Bennett back? Michael Maguire's just... Uh, Michael Maguire's last year's Ivan Cleary. He's just... Whoever pops up first, he'll probably get that gig. 
It's whether he wants it, but I, I get mm. the feeling he might have a couple to choose from. Maybe. So. Maybe. There you go. But the coaching merry-go-round. It's going to be a, a shitload going on this off-season. There's Absolutely, no doubt about yeah. that, and it's going to be insane. And it's going to happen quick too because blokes are going to want to be in for their pre-season. Yeah. They're going yeah. to want to be in and settled. So, yeah. Tackle four, the wooden spoon. The battle has heated up for this one. And realistically, all the way up to Canberra and Newcastle at eight wins, they could possibly get it. But you think they'd be a stretch too far to think they lose every one of their games and teams under them all win. So I've kind of left them out. But that leaves us with Manly and the Titans, both on seven wins. Dogs, Eels, Cowboys on six. Boxhead, who's getting the wooden spoon? No idea. I think the Titans are playing the worst out of all of them at the moment. Well, the Titans have got Manly, Melbourne and the Cowboys to finish. I think they can possibly win one of those games or none. Manly have got the Titans, the Tigers, and the Broncos. I think they can jag another win side. So Manly yeah, are Manly safe. Manly are playing well. I think Manly are safe. There's no problem there. The Dogs, I think they've got a cruel finish. They've got the Warriors, the Dragons, and the Sharks. So they may not win another game. Yeah. The Eels have got the Storm, the Cowboys, and the Roosters. I think that's a hard finish, but they actually played some good footy on the weekend. Mm. And then you've got the Cowboys, who have got to play the Sharks, the Eels, and the Titans. So they're playing two teams within reach. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think the Cowboys. So I think I get the feeling the that the Eels or the Dogs are getting it. And the Titans are probably in that conversation as well. And on the Dogs' talent, oh, sorry, on the Eels' playing talent, the pressure being off and what we've seen the last couple of weeks, I get the feeling that they'll avoid it too. So I get the feeling the poor Doggies fans, despite all the effort and these young kids, may end up with a wooden spoon. Mm. But you agree with that or? Yeah, it's a hard one. Well, tackle five, the minor premiership. We've seen the Roosters grab a couple of big wins the last few weeks after losing a couple in a row. We've seen Melbourne go eight in a row and move back to first and now lose two games in a row. Souths lost on the weekend, a couple of injuries and a few blokes that didn't play. The Sharks, after two two-point losses, come back and beat the Storm on the weekend. Uh, the minor premiership for you. We've got two teams on 32. We've got the Panthers uh, and the Storm on 30, a couple of teams on 28. You'd have to think now it's down to basically South and the Roosters and their run home. South have got the Broncos, the Raiders, and the Tigers, and the Roosters have got the Raiders, the Broncos, and the Eels. So looking at that, I, I, think, the I think the Roosters now you'd think would be coming away with that. And for the South, I think it's an awkward situation to lose Johnston, to not have GI, a walk-up start to come back just yet. No Campbell Graham, no Jennings. Those few backline things do hurt your flow. You set starts and you're, uh, you know, those shift plays that they like to put on as well, not having those guys there. Yeah. So it's not exactly a, a very hard draw. It's a steady draw for them. The Tigers could be last round playing to still get in the finals. Brisbane this week, can they bounce back? Canberra, you never know what you're going to get. Um, we could have a, we could have uh, equal eighth this weekend. Broncos yeah. lose, Tigers win. We got we got a fight. Yeah. And your outside chances, the Storm they finished with the Eels, the Titans, and the Panthers, so they could easily win two and then come down to the last round. But they're relying on the other two teams, obviously, there. So I don't think that'll happen. And for the Panthers, Newcastle, the Warriors, and the Storm, I can't see them winning three of those and no. stealing the minor premiership. So. Well, they've just stolen three games. Pretty yeah, much. pretty much. So, yeah, I think the Roosters with that one. And the last one I've got here, it is talking about the Melbourne Storm. A lot of people, in particular Fox Sports Hammer it yesterday, unhappy with some of the tackles that came out of the Storm game. In particular, Felice Cafusi's tackle on Josh Dugan and Cameron Smith when he dragged... What were they unhappy about? Well, they're all saying that that's a new style of chicken wing. and That's a wrestling tactic. The fili- yeah, well, again. It's yeah. not a wrestling t- tactic. It's more like Cam a, Smith is one-on-one with a jiu-jitsu. bloke. And he's grabbed an arm and dragged him to the floor. Yeah. Like, I've grabbed people when I played a club game. If you've got a hand of a wrist or What's the difference do? between if he puts his hand out to fend and you grab him and swing him down like well, that? exactly. He's I, fended him and he's yeah. taken me on one arm. Like, they're all saying that he's put an extra work into it and twisted and tried to slam it to the floor. 
I think people are just reading into the normal bullshit they do to try and pick a story. Well, I thought the... Kafusi one was probably a little bit worse. See, I thought because he Smith's, made a couple of movements. I thought it was Smiths, if any, but same deal. Dugan's got a handful of his jersey trying to fend him. He's got him upper body, two hands up. Like I, hmm. I kind of looked at both and thought, well, you see the purple jersey, you see the thunderbolts, and you see those faces. It's very easy to draw that line, as always. Yeah. And it's hard for me not to sound biased, but I just think it's another beat up heading into finals that we want to try and pick up a couple of tackles. Were they pretty? No, they weren't pretty. But rugby league's not a pretty game. If Cameron Smith would have taken him down flipped his arms across his chest and put him in an arm bar and tried to completely snap Fecky's arm off, fair enough. Yeah. But when a black fends you and has you at that distance and you've got an arm to drag him down, get him on the ground. That's your job. So I think that was a bit of a beat-up. But if anyone disagrees with you, uh, with me, bang your head on the table. But I yeah. thought there was uh, as much grub going the Sharks' way as there was the Storm way, and I loved it. That first half was pure filth. Those two teams hate each other. It's a good game to watch if you like ugly football. And I enjoy a bit of ugly football, so... Even though my side lost, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And the Sharks just have it over us. They get under Melbourne's skin every single time and drag them down. They do. And uh, it happened again. But there you go. There is the set of six to start us off for this week's episode. And we jump in now to the power rankings brought to you by Penrith Solar Centre. And with the warmer months just around the corner, don't find yourself in the sin bin this summer for paying ridiculous electricity prices. Create your own electricity through the solar power so you can live in freedom this summer knowing a nasty bill shock is not on your way. The team at Prentice Solar Centre are your specialists in all things solar and battery storage, so contact them today, www.penrithsolar.com.au, and to find out more, get on that website, contact Jake and the boys there, and the phone number, 1800 20 29 30, Boxhead. Number one, I don't think it's rocket science, the Roosters after the weekend. Correct. They are number one. No Keery. Uh, they lost Jared Rea Hargraves apparently for a month up now. That's a massive blow to most sides, and I think he's come back to being one of the top props in the game with his form. But the fact that they can carry Tokiaho, Tedavano, Lindsay Collins can't fit in, Nat Butcher plays a tight role. They've got depth. So yeah. it hurts, but I think they'll be able to cover for it. Yeah. Number two. Rabbitohs. Souths. Easy. Great effort the other night. I know they didn't win, but you've got to think again. No Jennings, no Campbell Graham, no Greg Ingus, three of your back five. Hurts the fluency of those shift moves. Hurts your yardage game. Campbell Graham's a very impressive edge defender. And to lose Johnston early on, that's four of your well, back Sam five. Sam Burge just dropped 150 passes Yeah, too. he dropped five and you've lost four of your back five. I'm not yeah. taking anything away from the Roosters because they didn't have Kiri and Jared played on through the pain. But they're, they're still number two. Number three for you. Storm. Well, I have docked them after the Sharks beat them and punched them all the way up to three. I still stick by what I've said before that I think they're a legitimate yeah, dark horse. Two weeks horse. before that, the Sharks shit the bed. So. I know that. But I still think come finals time, looking at some of these teams, I think there's enough there for the Sharks. The issue is out of the weekend, Wade, the Wade the Graham again comes back, plays a good game of football, can't last more than half. Yeah. And now he's apparently going to be out for a couple of weeks. So, uh, And Valentine Holmes, if not the informed fullback in the competition right now, is close to he's been outstanding. Yeah, I've got him at four. Yeah, I've got the Storm at four. I think the number seven thing was exposed a bit more again on the weekend. I thought the forward pack... In critical moments was poor, and the fact that we are fifteenth in completions this year, yet being you know second and third in attack and defense, the completions has just killed us in some games. And the other day was embarrassing. Hmm. Number five, hard one. I've got the Panthers. I've got the Panthers, and I swapped them the Warriors when I looked at it a little bit more, hmm. purely from the fact that I still think again, if things all go right come finals time, I think they're more of a threat than what the Warriors are. But I tell you what. The Warriors, when everyone's on deck and playing well and they've still got Harris to come back into that side, look out. And I've, I've got them at number six for that Same. reason. Yep. The weekend, the the bashing of 
Newcastle, the yardage game. Roger Tuivasa-Shet the last two weeks. My God, 290 metres and then 340 the other night. He, yeah, it's a boost. Like, blokes get 100 in a game and they're fish pumping. He's punched out almost 700, 650 metres in two games. It's ridiculous. Number seven. Ah, uh, the Broncos. All right. Well, I, again, agonised a little bit both ways here. And I've got the Broncos as well. They've been very, very poor, but... The death blow in number eight for the Dragons was when Gareth Woodop got injured the other night. Yeah. Um, Vaughn, don't know how far away he is. Spoken to him. That syndesmosis is just one of those open things. Comes down to swelling, how you feel. He's still a bit sore. He wants to play within the next week or two, but it doesn't sound like he's good to go. So if their forward pack got dominated in the weekend. And that's the other thing I was going to highlight just quietly. People calling out Ben Hunt again today. You talk about speculation media and people hopping on the back of it. Going, he had narrow runs, couple of missed tackles. Where the fuck was the forward pack? No one made over 100 metres. They made 14, 15 errors for the game. They absolutely laid zero platform. Your halves and your spine players are only as good as the platform that gets laid for them. Yeah. So you're all laying the boot into Ben Hunt, and I think it's just a bit of a easy target after the Origin Series as well. But where, where was the forward pack? Hmm. Where were the other blacks? No one cracked 100. Blake Laurie and a couple of the bench players barely got 30. Frizz and Sims and... Ah, um, and these couple of guys have got the chances to start off for only 60, 70, 80 metres. Their they're forward pack's fallen into a rut. They're not dominating. They're not blowing teams off the park. They're not laying the platform they're laying at the start of the year. And defensively, they're nowhere near as aggressive as what they were. It all starts in the middle. Correct. And yeah, the Broncos at, uh, at seven before that, I just think, I don't know what's going on there. They hammered the Penrith and you're like, there's a response you were looking for after a few flat performances. And then the last two weeks, they've just dished up ordinary football. I, I don't know what to think, but... I the think, bottom four, it's like week to week. They just shuffle around based on what they did the week weekend before, and that's why they're going to be bottom four teams in the eight. One thing's never changed forever. It's the whole way along. They can't win the comp. No. There's no way they can win the comp. So there you go. There's the power rankings. Thanks to the Penrith Solar Centre. And now we'll jump into the reviews of the games from the weekend. Thanks to Nepean Boltmaster, www.nepbolt.com.au. They are your complete fastening system supplier with their main office located at Penrith, and they have a second one out there at Seven Hills. They are both huge warehouses and they boast the largest range of fasteners and associated products not only throughout the region but throughout the state but there's a lot more to the bolt master than just fasteners you'll also find a range of industrial and engineering products abrasives hand and cutting tools lifting materials and handling products safety and cleaning products paints and general hardware the bolt master provides total need sourcing packages for all trades associated with construction engineering and associated industry segments if you're a tradesman like yourself, get your tools, your bits and bobs, and all your gear from the Nepean Boltmaster. Get on to Woz and the boys there, www.nepbolt.com.au. Cowboys-Broncos, speaking of that game, it never disappoints. It was a great game. 34-30. to 30, uh, The Cowboys out the blocks nice and fast, and then a couple of controversial calls to the fans' opinion the fans? that they were not happy with. And Broncos suddenly back into the game, hashtag penalty Broncos, and a lot of people get on the back of that. Um, the penalty try for the lead, leading with a knee, I didn't really have a big problem with that. Like coming in on the contact, what, what do you do about it? It just it is what it is. I didn't think he intentionally wanted to hurt him, Tamari Martin, but he did make contact when he was going in the ground. It was a dangerous stack. But the second half, it was similar again. Jonathan Thurston is just the liquid man. He keeps on coming. That forward pack and that front three that we had wraps on at the start of the year, I think has shown the last few weeks why they would have been so important to their campaign. McLean healthy with Scott lays a bit more of a one-two punch. I know, and the pressure's off, but it does lay that one-two punch that we spoke about to free up Tamalolo to not always be doing the grunt work. And everyone that was laying the boot into Tamalolo all year, like I've said a few weeks ago, need to give themselves a triple because he's busting his ass. 
He just doesn't have any help around him. He's the first up carry. He's laying all the platform. He's attracting all the players. He's the only one who can bend the line back. And now with these couple of guys in there helping him, he's flourishing off the back of that. He had another huge game. Cohen Hess, Gavin Cooper, the edge plays benefit from the role in the middle. It's just a flowing effect from having all those guys back. And I couldn't believe Green waited so long to get them back on the field when the lead was slowly slipping away at the back end of the game. But they've been hurt badly and lost a few close games, in particular the two South ones were absolutely heartbreaking. It was about time something fell their way. And the bounce of that ball for Cohen Hess, I felt, was almost a little bit of justice for some what it's happened to the Cowboys this year and some of the tight games they've been involved with. Yeah, agree. It was... Well, it's a game Brisbane should have won. They led by 12, you know, with not long to go. And the Cowboys kept coming, but Brisbane gave them opportunities and they just play in patches, don't they, the Broncos? They, you know, they play well enough to put a, put some points on and then they'll just... It's like they have a little power nap and... Cowboys, you know, would the Cowboys of a month ago beaten Brisbane? Probably not, but no. I think they're probably playing the best footy they've played all year at the moment. And Against the Roosters last week. Result. Yeah, they were good in, for a 20-minute period. And I think we go back to what we said before, super talented young side, the Brisbane Broncos, but with that youth comes what we're seeing right now. Patching in games, drifting in and out week to week. Some of these forwards aren't as good as what they have been. Tevita Pengai Jr. seems to have a new injury every week, and they just keep needling him and playing it. Like, if he's busted, I know you're going to be heading into the finals, but honestly, yeah, like, play someone who's healthy. Or don't play him at all. Like, you're not doing him any favours. Exactly. Um, yeah. you got Offhand Gowie and Lodge, who I think have been consistent every single game this year. Corbin Sims has suddenly, to me, started to play some good football once he settled his contract situation down there at the Dragons. and He's been making a bit of an impact off the bench, but the inconsistency is across the park. Um, back five, edge defence, hot and cold. James Roberts hasn't been sighted basically since Origin Bar, the intercept he took last night. Uh, young Shibasaki is a good footballer, but he made a couple of mistakes and a couple of good runs in that game. Mixed bag, but he's 19 years old. You know, Osako, it's been a good year for them. I think for Brisbane, and I said at the start of the year, I think they'd make the eight, but they've never been a threat for me. Awesome development year. You've got plenty of kids in, but the glaring issue moving forward still remains. It's in the halves. Nick Arima, why he does exactly. some things at times with the football, doesn't do enough to warrant being a number seven in the NRL week in, week out. And Milford needs a genuine halves partner. I also point the figure to Andrew McCulloch there. I think this year off an ACL, and I know because I've had a couple of them done, it's not easy, but I don't think he's been anywhere near as effective or dangerous around the ruck. He looks a step slower. Um, yeah, I, I, I think they're just going to burn out the back end of the year. Well, it looks that way, doesn't it? Absolutely. It certainly does. Uh, Cowboys, like I said, good win at home for JT. Those forwards, McLean, Scott, Tamalolo, who's absolutely outstanding. Hess, Cooper, etc. getting off the back of that. Good for their fans to see him um, playing some good football and enjoying himself these last few weeks. And a massive congratulations as well. Sam Thide, only the third Bronco to play 300 games and massive achievement to play 300 games full stop. So, yeah. Uh, New Zealand versus Newcastle. This one doesn't need much explanation. 20 to 4. It was a bit of a slow start. It was back and forth. They drew first blood, Newcastle. But for the rest of the game, they were just physically battered. And the back five for the Warriors, if not the back three, I could say is the most dangerous in the comp. The set starts of Ken Marmolo, David Fusitua, and Roger Tuovasa-Shek are just ridiculous. Ken Marmolo is literally played under-20s grand final a couple of years back as a prop. Mm. Now he's on the wing. 200-plus metres in the game. Roger Tuovasa-Shek was busting tackles, charging over blokes, and doing whatever he felt like at will, 340 metres. And David Fusitua, a little bit less involvement in the yardage game, but still made 120. Marmolo is the modern-day... Uh, he's the ideal... He is the ideal winger. Now, powerful, 
fast, good finisher, and he doesn't get as many opportunities on that side of the field, but when he does, he takes them. That to have the one, two, three punch, not just the one, two punch of those guys, followed up by Sheck, who's just fearless and has some of the best footwork in the business, they just bashed Newcastle into the submission. And we know they struggle slowing down momentum and killing the ruck, um, but the Warriors, to me, just slightly picked them apart all game. They didn't show as much on the scoreboard, but they did enough to just hurt them as the game went on, find their points. Blake Green moving there this year is one of the underrated buyers. Kick well, control things, just balances out Sean Johnson. And the forwards, that try they had come up with when Adam Blair scored that try, some of the interchange of passing in that was absolutely outstanding. So I thought probably for the last 60, it was a real gritty, solid performance by the Warriors and a great win at home. But for Newcastle, I don't even really want to talk about them the back end of this year. They've they've fallen off a cliff again, as usual, with all these young blokes. I think a lot of blokes are playing injured. They still don't have that we depth. We sum them up. They're inconsistent. Yeah, they're inconsistent, but they're still young. They don't have much depth, and I think a lot of blokes are hurting. Yeah. Um, the season as it's worn on, it's taken a toll. Pierce is playing busted. Ponga still played okay, but he's playing busted. Like they're they're a similar deal. They're they're fizzling out to the back end here, and they're, they're ready for Mad Monday. They're yeah, done. No. Move on. Rooster South. This was a good game of Cracker football. Cracker game. Yeah. Good game of football, but probably throwing it out there, I the takeaway of this is like it is in many games. The Roosters basically feel like a prize fighter that's asking for you to come knock them out, and teams just can't. They will stand inside their 20, slow down the ruck, give as way as many penalties as they feel like, and just continually ask you to come after them, hmm. and they will give you nothing. They are they, as good. They can't win the comp playing that style of game, though. The, the game they produced the other night, a side will beat them in the finals. I 100% agree, and I still think Kiri makes a big difference to they've their got, attack. They've got to be better, and they're going to be better with Kiri, yeah. Yeah. That makes the big difference at the moment. But I think in that game, I saw one of Cooper Cronk's best games. He tackled well. He kicked very, very well. He worked well with Board Coidner in particular. Jarabria Hargrove's disappointing that he hurt his ribs because he's gone next yeah. world in the last two months. He's been close to the premier prop and that aggressor that we saw early on a couple of years ago when he was the premier prop in the game. Yeah. Um, Toki Aho, as always. The outside backs as well. Like, we know about Joseph Manu, and I have a massive rap on him in particular. That 20s year, they won that grand final, but he doesn't get probably his best NRL game. Before. He doesn't get anywhere near the credit because the other bloke on the other side of the field. Hmm. And I think touching on your point for me right now, there's still a lot to come from their attack as a whole. But they're winning these games, like you're saying, and I agree purely off individual talent and attack. Like the Manu things, individual talent. Latrell Mitchell's tries a lot of time this year, individual talent. Yeah. Victor Adley's broken tackle, offload, and Tedesco's support play and his ability. It's all individual talent. When they can all still find a way to work together better in attack, given the way they defend, because nobody's a better defensive uh, better defensive side in this competition, if they get even 20% better on what they do in attack, I think they are near unstoppable at full strength. But their defense is ridiculous inside 20. Their defense is good. They literally, like I said, will be penalized and slow and get numbers in and do whatever they can, and they'll just keep asking to come after them. They will give you nothing, and they, they thrive off it. Most teams, second, third set, are waiting to be taken and are begging for the ball to be dropped or an error or someone to make a tackle. The Roosters seem to thrive off defending their line. Yeah. And I think from South's point of view, uh, they can take get some positives out of this game, but Sam had a Barry Crocker. Five errors. I thought George, he went off. I think he was hurt for part of the game. Tom had a massive game out of the three. They looked a lot better the week before. But they did a good job working at Cook. They got after Cook when he got out. They got numbers around him straight away and they stifled him. Losing Johnston instantly didn't help. Losing Campbell Graham hurts your set starts and your edge defense. Um, I thought they did well to come up with the points that they did. 
But bring back in Johnston, Campbell, Graham, Jennings, GI, four of your back five for the finals. You're a lot more fluent, but I thought they lost the forward pack battle, and that's the big key if you're going to play the Roosters again moving forward. Yeah, so. absolutely. They're going to have to be better, but I saw enough from that game to suggest that South are well in this comp. Yep, 100%. Uh, I thought Cameron Murray was really good for them off the bench as well. Good footballer. Crichton had a better night than usual. I think he's been a bit quiet since Origin as well, and Tommy out of the Burgesses. But for the Roosters, so many names. Ferguson's year has been incredible. Victor Radley's an outstanding uh, talent. Cooper Cronk, I thought that was one of his best games. Tedesco again. The pack, um, just all around. Lots of ticks for that Rooster side. And great depth. Panthers-Titans, I have to say, this is one of the worst games of football I've ever watched. 17-16, I thought both teams were absolutely awful. Yeah. Um, I know it's probably hard to say either team deserved to win, uh, but I, I certainly didn't feel that the Titans deserved to lose that game. But again... They got the deer in the headlights the last five to ten minutes and started looking at the scoreboard. Penrith moved the football around and a lot of what wasn't working the first 70, 75 minutes with all the errors and missed tackles came together in a couple of moments. And in particular, that last ball that Maloney threw, no pressure was on Kikau. Hurrell held off. Taylor shot up. Like I thought between those two, someone could have at least got some hands on him and that led to the equaliser. Um, the shot at goal by Nath, I was as surprised as anybody when he missed that one, yeah. but he iced it in extra time and you kind of got the feeling as soon as it went to golden point that the Titans were done you went they when they put showed the shot of Brennan in the box that kind of just spoke to probably the mindset of him knowing um, that things were done but a lot can't change in a week but I thought their attack was even worse than what it usually was I thought James Maloney if he's got all these injuries I have no idea why they're bothering playing him because he was awful again well he's now out until well, the finals now he's got a knee problem to go with his neck his toe and everything else he's got and it would have been could really be, easy. Could be a blessing in disguise. Well, how, how hard would it have been to just put Tyrone May back in there with Nathan Cleary, which got you the finals last year, and give him a couple of weeks rest? Yeah, it wouldn't have been that hard. Agree. Um, Jack Hetherington, again, showing ill-discipline, going to be his third or fourth suspension for the year. The loading's going to hurt him very soon. Losing time out for the game didn't help either, but I, I just thought all around they were underwhelming. Didn't get the response I was looking for. The forward pack's nowhere near as ruthless as what they were in that middle stage of the year. Um, and yeah, I think like I said, Maloney in particular hasn't been helping, but him being out now, Nath playing with Tyra May moving forward might bring a bit more stability to the half setup. But I think the forward pack needs to elevate, and the errors have got to go from the game. Their errors are just poor, and defensively, there was not much improvement this week either. Yeah, it's all fair. All fair. It was a entertaining, but game of poor quality. It's probably the best way I'd sum it up. Titans, I don't think. Well, I think Titans were the better team for the majority. For the majority, but they weren't the better team at the end. No, I thought AJ the Brimson. Try like that was disgusting, oh, awful. But as a Titan fan, I sat there and watched it. and Went, yeah, that's yeah, us. Not that's surprised. us. So, you know, and it, it probably summed up both teams' season perfectly. Titans uh, good, but no result. Penrith poor, but somehow managed to get the result. Yeah, and like you said, three weeks in a row, and multiple times this season, they've got it done. The only concern for me is I think all six or seven of these comeback wins, none of the teams have been in the top eight. They've all been bottom end sides. Well, there you go. So I'm not saying that they couldn't do it to somebody else, but well, they haven't. there's yet to be proof that they're going to do Simple that to that. a Melbourne, you know, to a Dragons. I know they obviously led them, et cetera, but one of these sides, are they going to be able to track down three tries against one of these better end teams? Right. Like, you, you tell me that they're going to do that to the Roosters. In a no, finals game. The Roosters battered and bashed in the middle of the season. And if they did what they did on the weekend again to a side like that or South, they'd be down by 30, 40 points. Big trouble, yeah. So they've got to fix that up. But um, I thought Kikiao again had some moments in that game. Dean Farre, good footballer, 
good game of football. Regan Campbell-Gillard was the clear standout for me, though, uh, on that side of things. And for the Titans, if AJ Brimson could do any more to scream out what a quality footballer he is, going back probably to his preferred position of fullback, um, I don't know what else he's got to do to get them to lock him up because he's a very good footballer. Kane Elgy going to Manly. They got him on the cheap. I think that's a good buy for them given the injury and the off year. He's still only young. He looked better on the weekend. I thought he outplayed Ash Taylor. So Ash Taylor Taylor gets what he wants. He gets his buddy back, Tyron Roberts, next year. But I don't know if it's all well and good to keep giving Ash Taylor what Ash Taylor wants because at the moment he's playing like a busted. Yeah. He's playing like Queensland Cup player. Yeah, he was awful, but... Penner fans, you've got to be happy that you keep pulling these out of the fire. Let's see what we get this week against Newcastle at home. If they are legit, and I don't care if Maloney's out, they've got the depth, I'd expect Penner... Should be by three tries. If they want to make a statement this week, I want 20 points or more mm. against this Newcastle side that's limping. Daytime footy, probably a sunny fast track here at Penrith. I want to see Penrith put their foot down this week. Agree. Yep. Uh, Eagles, Dogs, I, I didn't have a lot that I could take away from this game. I thought the Dogs showed a lot of effort. And was solid again, but when that sin bin happened and they couldn't capitalise on the back of it and manly kicked the penalty goal and escaped through that period, I kind of got the feeling they were going to get out of the top of them. They look like a team that's given all they can give and they're a very young side and a lot of those young guys were a bit flatter this week and manly at home. The two front rowers, Adam Blake, Tapio have been exceptional all year. Cherry Evans off the back of that and the same two names you mentioned every single game, which is no surprise because they're both elite players in Tom and Jake Draboyevich made the difference and they just came home over the top of the dogs. Uh, as the game wore on. And for the dogs, like I said, I'll, I'll compliment every week on the effort and some of these kids playing. But yeah, definitely a bit flatter this week and missing. Uh, Lachlan Lewis has obviously had a couple of really good weeks, probably hurt things as well. But same old, same old for them. Uh, Rena Smith showing that he will definitely probably get a, a start there again next year. He was very, very good. Thought Clemmer's return was, was good for them, but uh, more quality in that manly side. And Finally broke a, a streak of losses at home there and are finishing the season on, on a bit of a positive, I guess, trying to get away from that spoon. Yeah, dogs were awful. This was a pretty poor game as well, I thought. Yeah. Uh, Manly played with their food a little bit. The dogs were probably unlucky not to lead at half time by two tries. I thought they had a lot of ball, just couldn't crack Manly's line. And from there, Manly just took advantage of that in the second half. Possession turned a little bit and they got the win. Yep. Uh, like I said, if you're a Dogs fan, you've got to be impressed with some of these kids. Though. Effort's fantastic. Remus, Remus Smith, Reese Martin, even Holland, since he's got a bit more lock and Lewis. Like, it's a hard situation to be in, but I'm happy to pay my membership and come watch these guys bust their ass Yeah, compared to seeing guys on a million dollars there bitching, moaning, whinging, dodging questions and not doing what they need to be doing. Correct. So uh, yeah. Dogs fans out there, stick with your team. Keep going and supporting them. Get there next year regardless of who they're bringing in and just get behind these young kids because – the year or two it's going to take will harden up some of these young blokes and when they eventually get some quality back in the joint. That'll be a top eight. And no doubt they will because we know they've got third parties and they're a strong club. Once they've got the money free and available in a good situation, the dogs will be strong again. So support your club. Definitely support your club. I don't club. think they'll be falling off. No. Doggies fans are pretty rusty. They're pretty, yeah, pretty loyal. Eels, Dragons, again, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this yet to say... Wow. I won't take away from what the Eels did. The Eels were outstanding. They were. They bashed the Dragons. And this is where I get back to my point of people are pointing the finger at Ben Hunt and all these other guys and, oh, this is the reason why and the origin slump, etc. Plain and simple, the Dragons were piss poor. They didn't turn up for a fight. They got bashed by a team that, again, the pressure's off and blokes are playing for contracts and things are changing. And I thought the reshuffle was good. Uh, Mitchell Moses had his best game for the year. Jamin Semin, product of the Sharks, set up there, watched him play. Matson Ball, grand finals, good footballer, came in. He played a good game. Corey Norman just floating around the back I thought was a positive for them. 
forward pack was all over the top of them. Um, and for the Dragon side of things, they were disgusting. They were? Their forward pack, nowhere to be found. Jack DeBellin has not played a good game, I don't think, since Origin. I don't know if he's still hungover. I know he's injured, but he's struggling. Frizzell's getting needled every week. All those younger guys that they were supposedly preparing for this period and onwards, I think my point's been proven. They don't have a bench. They don't trust their bench, and they don't have the depth. Their start 1-13 to is good, but the toll's been taken. I wasn't worried about him until Saturday night. Yeah. Now I'm Awful. very much worried about him. I think McInnes' confidence has even rattled. Um, Widop getting injured is a massive death blow to them. Yeah, when's he going to be back? Well, a month? It. When it pops out, it depends on the ligaments. They're saying now they're going to try and do the rehab route and get him back for finals. There you go. But realistically, if he hurts it again, it's a Rico. He's three to six. So do you want to risk that? Do they legitimately think they can win the comp? Because I certainly don't. No, but I think they'll want him there come first week of the final. I get that. But if it was putting my newly signed million-dollar player at risk of being out for six months, and depending on the way results go the next few weeks, I think they're going to fall into the bottom half and be gone first week. I really do. Uh, Unless something well, drastically changes. Based on what you're yeah, exactly. From. But if Widop doesn't come back or he's playing first game week one of finals and Vaughan doesn't come back until week one of finals, DeBell and Frizzell aren't going to get healthy in a week. I know for a fact they're playing hurt. Um, they're limping into the back end of the year here and things aren't looking good. Hmm. So, But for the Eels side of things, it's all well and good to get excited so we've got a lot to look forward to next year. But I want to see this come next year from round one. Yeah, exactly. Like, where is Mitchell Moses playing this football? Where is this aggressive forward pack that we saw last year go on that winning streak and take him to the finals? Where is the Corey Norman that's up on the football? Will he even be there? Yeah. I don't know. Jared Hayne, I'll take back my comments. I said the other week he's playing for a contract, but it still seems that way that all of a sudden he's just jacked in a box, jumped out and played this good for six weeks now. Where was this early in the season? Oh, he didn't have a preseason. He wasn't fit. Rah, 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 the stomach bullshit. issues. The season's over. Bullshit. It's very easy to play when and the now, season's yeah. over. And a Simple contract, as that. Contract's up for grabs. Move on. So, uh, yeah, I think they'll, they'll come close to avoiding the spoon the way they're playing their football. But, yeah. And also, Mahoney. I've got to say, I watched Reed Mahoney play 20s last year. They had big raps on him. He got their player of the year. I never want to question someone on size, but I looked at him and legitimately thought, to play nine in the NRL, that's going to be a big ask for this kid because he's small. He's hard. He's a hard kid. So... I've got issues like Kaiser maybe moving forward physically. Will he last? But the mental application certainly there. And I think he's been a positive for them at Hooker, which has been a big problem. Mm. So good by him and Jamin Salmon, Moses, etc. Good games on the weekend. Tigers, Canberra. Um, the Raiders just continue to let themselves down, let their fans down, let their coach down. How they still haven't addressed the edge defense, I'm getting sick of fucking talking about it. It's disgusting. Well, let's not talk about it. Discipline and errors every single week cost them. The sin bin led to three tries, which eventually was what cost them the game in Joey Laylor. And why, when he came back on, he made some positive contributions. That sin bin ultimately was the difference between them winning and losing that game. I don't understand why they can play loose football and get back within two points, yet the last 15 freeze up, have poor set finishes and give away a penalty every single time they trap the Tigers inside 20. You sound like a bloke who had some money on them. Oh, I did on yeah, Joseph's defined try-win combo, but I still say these same things every week. I'm more frustrated from their perspective and a fan perspective if you were supporting it. Like, what do they do in video? Or do the individuals not just want to listen and are they going to make changes? There's yeah, plenty of talent there. But I I don't want to take any away from the Tigers, but I thought they were hanging on by the skin of their teeth for the back end of that game. And the Raiders just weren't good enough to take it off them. But at the same time, all those tries came during the period when they were a man short on the field. Moses and Bob was great. Luke Brooks again. Uh, that individual try of Moses and Bob was absolutely outstanding. But if Canberra could just hold things together for 80 minutes, they would beat almost everybody in this competition. They'd be a legitimate top eight side pushing for the top four. 
But week in, week out, errors, discipline, and critical times and edge defense, just they have no mental resilience, no mental strength. Oh, fair. So Tigers, uh, I don't know if they can get there. I think Brisbane's draw is hard enough to open up the opportunity for them. But I still think they're going to have to win, either win out all three or win two of those games. So it's all on the Tigers week to week now to yep. keep winning and not worry about what Brisbane's doing. But I know for, I think from looking, Brisbane have to play South and the Roosters the next two weeks. So there's a legitimate possibility going into the last round that the Tigers will be playing for a spot in the eight or playing to hold on to a spot in the eight, depending on how they go the next few weeks uh, against the Dragons. And I don't know who their other game was against, but um, yeah, that spot is somehow still open for the Tigers. Mm. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. And the last one, Shark Storm. Uh, I don't think I could sum it up any better than what I did early on, that the Sharks just have Melbourne's number. Every time we've gone or watched this game, Melbourne bite in, and it's one of the only teams I've seen get Melbourne off their game. Melbourne bought in the individual battles. Bromwich was really aggressive. A lot of these guys went after Gallon and the like and all these kind of guys, but at the end of the day, uh, I thought the Sharks were the better team. I thought Melbourne were very, very poor. The Bromwich drop going through that hole with an open try line there. Billy Slater one-on-one with Valentine Holmes, a brain snap, trying to chip it around him instead of passing inside to Tim Glasby. They had multiple opportunities. They blew. They were poor coming out of yardage. There was no direction for most of the game. Smith was pressured into taking the fifth tackle options for most of the game again. And why I didn't think the Sharks were that crash hot. Um, some of their tries were great. They also blew a couple as well. But like Fecky tipped home the sideline. That hand grenade he threw back in for Holmes was a cracker. Um, they just they out Melbourne Melbourne with a little bit of extra spice in it, basically. Yep. They dragged him into the dog fight, and every single time they just seemed to be able to get the win. And especially down there. Not many teams go down there and get one over Melbourne, but they've consistently taken to task the Melbourne Storm the last few seasons. Yeah, they have. They have, absolutely. And, you know, you go back all the way to that grand final. Melbourne just couldn't put them away. They hang around. So, yeah, agree. They've got a little bit of kryptonite for Melbourne, but probably because they've got a, such a similar style. Yeah, I think the and big they're thing... they're a little bit more grubby and niggle, niggle with them and Melbourne don't like it. Yeah. Valentine Holmes, a couple of the try saves were outstanding. His overall play the last month or six weeks since Origin, he's been phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, Wade Graham, when he's on the field, makes a huge difference. But the fact he's injured again, Dugan was nowhere to be seen last week. I thought he had a better game on the weekend. Paul Gallen keeps on keeping on, etc. I think things are still building there, but they still have players going in, going in and out week in, week out injured. I, you can't have that come finals time. Yeah. You can't have Lewis Graham, etc. going in and out week in, week out. So that's my only question I've got over them. If they can all stay on the field and keep it together, they can beat anyone on their day, given the way they play their football. But uh, that, that's a pretty big win for them. But the sad thing is the last two weeks plus this win, they could be easily top four pushing for the minor if they would have got those two wins. But um, this is what the Sharks seem to have done this year. Every time you get your hopes up for them, they seem to let you back down. Absolutely. But there you go. That wraps up reviews of the games from the weekend. We'll jump into your fan questions now. And... Uh, as we do that, Brock, the Pro Sports Syndicate. 
good charity bet win on the weekend. We were we both on the Sharks for the upset. We're a big fan of that, and uh, obviously they got the job done for us. So I think we're close to the nine hundred dollar mark now for the Bears of Hope charity. And I think you'd like to probably say a special thank you to a lot of our listeners out there who got behind you on the last day of the donations for your City to Surf account. There, to add another. Twelve hundred dollars, I think, to the Bears of Hope yeah, um, for your run for the city yeah, to surf. So. It was it was floating around six seven hundred dollars, um, and then it got up to twelve hundred uh, and seventy one dollars and seventy. Uh, th- sorry, thirty seven cents. So yeah, it went well above the one thousand dollars, which was the goal. There was a lot of donations, big and small, from certain people who listen. Um, and just a few comments based on what I said last week about sort of the struggles that my wife and I had had in that 12 months. Obviously, we didn't make it public knowledge, but you know now we've we've had our first bub. It's something I think that people who may be struggling with that need to know that they're you know it's not easy for everyone that that tries. And uh, the Bears of Hope, um, you know, we we didn't really know about the Bears of Hope. It's some something that I sort of came across. Um, thought you know it would have been good when we were struggling a little bit. So. I thought, well, it relates to sort of what we've been through and it's easy to forget. As I said last week, it's easy to, once you've had a bub, it's easy to forget about the dark times. But, you know, there's someone else out there going through a hard time. So, uh, you know, 1200 or almost 1300 bucks is going to be excellent. Uh, we've got another 900 odd in the charity account. So hopefully we can get it up around three grand. Um, you know, with my 1200, hopefully we can get up our account up to two grand and push it over three grand that we've raised for them this year. It was good. City surf was interesting because I didn't do as much training as I'd done in the previous couple of years and we'd spent 12 nights in hospital on a sofa bed and eating takeout and whatever. So the first three kilometres were like the worst 18 minutes of my life uh, on the weekend. But it's a tough run. Anyone that's done it, um, you don't... It's very, very hard to describe the, the city to surf course unless you've actually run it. Uh, and I'm 105 kilos, so <laughs> we don't do running easily. But... Um, yeah, it was good. I, I was three minutes off my time last year and I did a lot more training last year, so I was happy with that. And it's a good day. Really, really good day. There's a hundred and hundred odd thousand people. You haven't seen anything like it until you've experienced it. And uh, you know, the fourteen kilometers is the worst part of it. We had to Revisis and I had a I had a golden slipper this year at Revisis. I wasn't there all night like we usually are and stay overnight. Um I was there until about two o'clock. So I got there at nine thirty, first beer at nine forty five and uh, jumped on the train and was home by four o'clock. So I was in the good books with the wife as well. So it was all all positive, my friend. Boom, winning, but all positive. Outstanding effort by you. And again, big thanks to everybody that jumped on there last minute and helped push Brock uh, over the thousand dollar mark. So twelve hundred plus. Yeah, it is appreciated. Yeah, you know, like we, people sort of say to us, why don't you charge money to listen? And you know, they want us. You know, even it was a dollar a week or whatever. Some people suggested we don't we don't do this to make money, but. You know, when there's things like that where you can chip in and help out, it is much appreciated because yeah. you do get the show for free. And, you know, we love our listeners and, you know, you guys obviously like listening. So it's good. Yeah. It's good. It was, And it doesn't it doesn't go in our pockets. No. It goes to a charity and it's going to help people out, which is what it's all about. For a great cause and 900 on our charity side of things. Hopefully we can push, you know, another five 600 come the end of the season there and get closer to the 3K mark. 3K um, totally for awesome, a, yeah. a great charity. So big thank you again to the Pro Sports Syndicate for supporting us. And we were on that early last week, our charity. Bet. Very we early. Said it. We said about Smith probably not playing and get even on. if not, you know, we know there's a bit of a grub factor there and they get over the top of them and they did again. So The other one that we probably should not should have pushed a little bit harder was the Tigers. I was all over the Tigers. Well, you know, I really liked it. I gave them a big tip in our confidence pool with power. Yeah. I didn't expect them to bash that way, but I'm the only one who tipped them on the 
Oh, well, Gossett tipped him as well. He's tipped him all year, though. Yeah, he has. Uh, that's I, why he's not winning. Yeah, that's right. But, um, yeah, Pro Sports Syndicate, massive thanks to them, as we said. Uh, that charity bet, they didn't have to pick that up this year after William Hill uh, obviously had to, to move on, but it's uh, massively appreciated from those boys there. And their best bet, they won again on the weekend. They had the Titans with the eight start, and I thought they were insane, but uh, Penrith, very disappointing. Titans yeah. hung in there. So they're nine from 12 of those best bets. I backed a minute, I was like you. I thought Penrith would win third yeah. class, but I thought I'll go with them. They've got a good record, and sure enough, proven to be right, and I'm a fool. You know the worst thing in the world? When you back a first try scorer, um, and, and a front try. rower goes in, and then Wunga Blake scores easy as you like down that poor left edge, uh, and I was just swearing at the table. Why do you back first try scorers? Because it was 17 bucks. I'm it's like, rubbish. the Titans stink. I'm going to get this. And Ryan James went in, and I was like, Argh. It's rubbish. But, yeah. The boys, the Pro Sports Syndicate, big thanks. Uh, nine from 12, best bets. The affiliate links, keep your eyes on those ones. But fan questions, Boxhead. Yep. Johnny Ashkay says, have the Broncos lost their aura? 12-year drought. Nah, no, they'll one tackle away in 2015. But reality is, close but no cigar. Dead weight on big money like Boyd and Bird. Uh, like you've said all year. Yes, a, they have a, lost their aura. Yes. A lot of their recruitment and contention and question like um, Bronco-like. Weakest Broncos side he can remember. No halfback. Bennett being told he's not needed. Etc. Etc. Also, are we seeing a surgence of Penrith possibly being the next big power club? Well, I can agree on the Broncos side of things and losing their error and some poor management and a bit of judgment uh, up there. But the juniors are always going to be there. Someone's going to take over. They'll steer that in the right direction with the talent they've got coming through. If they ever do fall out of the eight, you know they're going to be back in there not long after. And with the third parties, they're always going to be able to find themselves buying players to move back into the eight and be a top four side. As far as Penrith suddenly emerging to be one of the power clubs, do they have the facilities, the resources, the junior talent, the money uh, and everything possibly out here to be a power club? Yes. Are they currently run well enough to be a power, power club? No. And you can't say they are a power club or an emerging power club until they win a competition, win some minor premierships and put together four or five years of dominant football uh, and constantly feature in prelim finals, grand finals and winning those minor premierships. So, uh, I don't think Brock would disagree with there, but at this point no. in time, you can't say Penrith for emerging as a power club. You need to have... Well, the, the word that's been associated with Penrith for too long is emerging. Exactly. They need to be a power club. And that's what I'm getting at. It's just yeah. like premierships, minor premierships, constant preliminary finals, top four, year in, year out for five, six years. You need to be pushing consistently like a Storm, like a Broncos, like the Dogs have in more recent times, mainly the last decade prior to this. That's when you're a power club or a consistent side like the Roosters, etc. cetera. So. Correct. Yeah, no, not at this point in time. Dinos Daniel, rate the positions as in which are the most important to success to least important. I think wingers can no longer be regarded as the least important. They're definitely not. Nine, uh, one, six, uh, nine one seven six. Yeah, well, spine is number one. People would place different values on which one they favour. If you said you could have Michael Morgan, and I, you know, I've said five eight would be my four, fourth rank, I'd still take Michael Morgan. Yeah. Depends. You just want elite players in those positions. I don't think you can really rank them. Uh, It'd be like saying, "Would you rather, um, you know, Cameron Smith and three average players around him?" Of course, I would. Yeah, because you know he's going to elevate them. Exactly. And that's why I look at it now and get individually out of all those spine spots. Which one do I think is most important? I think the modern day fullback does as much as anybody. But at the same time, you got if you can get a dominant seven who can hold his own on an edge, control the side kick well, has the ability to run, he's almost as invaluable. So, Well, who's a better player? Who's Who's got more value to Melbourne, Cameron Smith or Billy Slater throughout their tenure as... Smith. Why? Well, he's the best player in the competition. But I also think... See, I'd say Slater. I'd say Slater is... Adds more to the attack. absolute smidgen off Smith's 
influence overall? Uh, I don't. I think that... Defensively, think what he does defensively and what he does off the ball... I get that, but I think Smith holds together the middle defensively. He so slows the I'd ruck say. better than I'd anybody. Smith, His kicking game, he's atta- he has... Smith is by far more influential offensively, but Slater is by far more influential defensively. So and that's why I'm saying... How do you measure their influence? It's to, difficult. To me, if you said tomorrow, what's the one you'd sign first? I'd want a fullback. So, well, there you go. So you, I want a fullback. At the start of their careers, would you take Slater over Smith? Knowing what I know now, I'd want a fullback. But I also mm. preface this and you'd agree, which piece I'd want first would depend on the other players I've got. If I have a gun yeah, forward right. pack, I probably don't want as dominant a nine because I know I'm not going to need him to manipulate and work as much. Yeah. I'd be more worried about that fullback. If I've got a good edge back row and a couple of good props, maybe I want a good half because I'm going to have a platform to constantly work to his exactly. side. So, All right. I think yeah. we've answered the question. Spine positions are the most important, plain and simple. I think yeah. it's just a matter, matter of which one you prefer. But... And behind that, a dominant front rower. Yeah. Can't well, we've, I think we've said this multiple times. Starting a club tomorrow, first few things you're recruiting, fullback, half, prop, back rower. That half needs a gun edge or someone who's a ride or die defensively and an attack to be next to him at all times. You need one dominant prop. And you need at least two decent spine pieces, I think. But your first four signings, if you were starting a club tomorrow for me, fullback, half, prop, back row. Right. They're the first four Let's signings go. I'd be making. Scott Brahoney, would you boys prefer a slightly less quality comp with no third parties or the way it is now with Brisbane, Melbourne, Roosters, mm. always in the top eight? Would it make why would it... The, why would the competition, quality of the competition go away? It wouldn't. It'd just distribute the players more evenly. So, yeah. if anything, the competition would get better. Be better yeah. And the second point is, would it make development clubs more successful if there were no third parties? Well, it would somewhat. But if money was even everywhere, Penrith would still lose the same amount of players because they wouldn't be able to pay anyone. So, if anything... They would be stronger off the, the field. field. Yeah. They'd have more money for resources, more money for their club, etc. Which is what I think there should be a development fee. In saying that... There should be, like you said, development fee for taking those players, but there should also be exemptions, bigger exemptions for holding on to your own players long term. So Penrith and a couple of clubs. And you know how clubs get around it? it? We've experienced it. Yeah. They they get around it by going and poaching fifteen and sixteen year old kids and gambling that they're going to be NRL players. Well, because it's a lot cheaper to pay, you know, a kid from Campbelltown five grand now that have to pay him one hundred and fifty grand two or three years time. Yeah, that's how they do it. Yeah. They get in very early, trust me. We've yeah. seen it the last couple of years in particular at one well, club. We've had two two of our boys, young players out at West, West kids, going to school at West from Campbelltown that are now going to be travelling down to Canberra to play Yeah, because Canberra have just said, well, we'll gamble on these two. We'll give them 5K or 10K each or whatever it is and, and hope that one of them turns into an NRL player. The other club in particular, and it started a massive uproar the last few years, is Manly because Manly yeah. have bugger all juniors. They're going out <coughs> to all these Western Sydney areas and in particular the Polynesian kids and offering to get them all in together. Blacktown and Campbelltown. They've got Blacktown, buses. Campbelltown, Parramatta, Penrith area. They're getting millions of men early. They're paying them early. They're having bigger squads. They've won well, the a grand final. The thing is, final. if I can get 100 players for $1,000 each... I want all of them. Or I can pay one player 100000 yeah. I'm going with the 100 at $1,000 each. And, and their that's theory the is, philosophy that they're, yeah. they're going with. Theory is, let's tuna fish big now at the junior level, and we'll get some through but in the end. We the, won't be able to keep the, the all of them. The rules enable we'll them, them to do that. Yeah, exactly. There should be fees for them to come and pillage. Whereas in the top end or the 20s level and the NRL level we're seeing now, Manly have no third parties. Well, they don't Gus's have the ability ar- to do This is Gus's argument. And Gus has said it for all development clubs, but... You know, we put all the time and effort in, yeah. and you get you don't get rewarded for it at all. No, so it's fair enough. Adam Thomas, should the Dragons start planning for Bali? They're terrible. Well, again, yeah, I, I would think so. I, I've I've backed them up all year, um, but I've I lost faith on the weekend. That was that was abhorrent. Their defense was yeah. disgusting. 
they're they're flat. They're lacking confidence. They've got injuries. Well, let's put it this way, right? Yeah. If they fall six or seven, and they're playing Penrith Warriors or Sharks, if one of those teams drop out week one, they're gone. I think at the moment the way they're playing, and with no Vaughan and Widop, they're gone week one. Look, a new they're comp out. starts when they get there. Exactly. But I think if you're in the bottom four, they, they can't win the comp. They're, they're 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 not wanting to make the finals just to be there. They want to win the comp. Yeah, exactly. And they can't win the comp from the bottom four. No. No way. And it's it's yet to happen. Bottom four of the eight when I say bottom four. Yeah. Uh, on the flip side of that, NRL fantasy expert, what do you think about Manly coaching circus? Will Barrett stay or go? Well, we basically addressed that. But yeah, we did. He said who might go there. The name I've already heard, and a lot of people I think have already on it, is oh. Neil Henry. Neil Henry. And I don't understand why, but again, the Penn family are very interested in anyone who's willing to take a cut rate price, but I think that's poor business by them. And I think for Neil Henry, it would be a dead end. So, mm. um, yeah. Giving our thoughts on that, but a coach coming in, Jeff Tuvey last night on Controversy Corner on Sunday said he'd go back there, but I highly doubt that would eventuate after That's what happened. That's because he knows he can't get a job anywhere else. And the way that ended, but yeah, Matt Tomlinson thoughts on Pierce's comments about the Warriors having the best back three in the comp right now. If so, which team would have the second best? Well, Melbourne would have the second best. I disagree with that. Who I think Roosters. There, I had three that I'd written down off the top of my head. The other one, Vuni Slater and Ado Carr. Yeah, but set starts. Like carries to start the set. I think Vuni this year. So who been you got? Who, who you got? I think Canberra with Kotrick, Rapana, and when Leilua get involved, have as good a set start as most of those teams. I think the Roosters with Tupo, uh, Tedesco, and obviously the other side of the field, Ferguson. I'd say Warriors and Storm for me. But I think Melbourne this year. Ado Carr's been great in yardage, but I think Billy's been hit and miss because he's only played half the season. I think Vunavali's been terrible this year, yeah. so I definitely wouldn't say we're one of the better yardage sides. And the other upside for the Warriors is those back three. You've also got to incorporate the centers as well. And Carter usually gets involved in yardage, and he's got a very strong carry. So, yeah. um, I think well, South have been good as well, like um, Campbell Graham. Well, Jennings Rob has Jennings, been pretty been physical injured. this year. And Alex Johnson's been good. GI etc. But I, I think I couldn't argue. I think New Zealand we've. Those three, New Zealand, Shek, standout. Sheck, Fussy, Tua, Ken Marmolo. If you want purely back three, not even the back five, they are the most physical dominant out of anyone. Easily. Dominant. Ben Nobes, a couple of quick ones. Why do attacking teams not kick for touch when they get a penalty outside the opposition 20? Sharks did against Storm this weekend on the 40, and I've seen other teams do it too. Seems like they're just missing out on easy yardage, or is there some tactic I'm not well, seeing? The tactic is they don't, they don't want to be down on too their close. line. They want to try and generate a quick play of the ball with the defensive space uh, at, at its maximum, basically. Yep. You don't want to kick down and then have the defensive line only having to come up four or five metres because you're right on the try line. And we spoke about this before. The hardest place to score points from is inside 20, and in particular inside 10, because there's only one place for the defence to go, which is forward and off their line. So you generally lose time and space, whereas when you're 20, 30 metres out, they've got the 10-metre retreat. They generally don't have as much urgency and you can kind of play with a bit more space and time. You don't yeah. feel as panicked and rushed. So most when they're inside 40 or 30 will play those couple of plays. So when they take their shot on play two or three, they still have the space to do so. Uh, the next one is also why do ball carries grab the shirt of defender during a tackle is just to stop them getting back on side seems to be happening more. Mm, I don't know. I don't know about it. I don't know what the tactic well, is. There. I think it's to affect the tackle at dumb. times as well, but it is dumb and some blokes are just trying to milk penalties rather than take the quick play the ball, which pisses me off week in, week out. Yeah. Same as blokes that lock in. There's a lot of quick play the balls on the line and blokes choose to lock in and get a penalty instead. And I'm like, you dickhead. Yeah, you've just ball. cost your team an opportunity to play off the back of that. And instead, yeah. you've got no penalty. You look like a dick. Well, something, like, look, when coaching junior rep sides, I don't come across that a lot. Coaching my school side, I've got a lot of big Polynesian boys in that side. 
And I often have to say to them, because they, they like to play for a penalty, it's obviously harder for them because they're bigger frames to get up and down off the ground. I have to constantly say to them, when you go and carry the ball, when you hit the ground, I need you to be thinking about who is carrying the ball next play, not about trying to get us a penalty. Just get up. Because it's, it's got to be to get up and play quick, you know, because if you're taking that next run, you know, we both played in the middle as a forward. You don't want to be running the ball off a slow play the ball. No, and I used to bark at blokes who did that get or up. tried to milk or tried to feign it. Like, just get up, play the ball, yeah. let me go. And no different when I had it. I had no And that's your whole job as a 40. Yeah, quick play the ball. But I never ever looked at a ref and wanted a penalty. I wanted to get up and get that ball on the deck as quick as possible and yeah. get it back to the nine and the next bloke who's getting the football. And obviously, that, the sides we play, because they know we're bigger, we've got bigger boys, they they lay on a little bit more. Yeah. Of course they do. You know, it's you just tactic, got to fight. But exactly. You just got to fight and you'll get penalties naturally. You've got to be aware of that and, yeah. and counteract it. Yeah. Paul K. after witnessing firsthand the terrible tattoos Sam Tompkins has from his failed Warrior stint, <laughs> who do you think has the best and worst tats in the NRL? Dugan and Fafita get my vote for the worst. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't really taken much notice. Well, I was with Dugan. I like, I like Gareth Widops, Inc. I was with Dugan in Canberra, and we are only 18, 19 at the time. He already had his whole back and chest and all that done. He was absolutely covered in the stuff, but uh, I wouldn't say his is the worst. I think he's got a couple of weird ones. Though. The Ray Lewis one on his legs is a bit strange. Who's got, who's got a Ray Lewis one? Josh Dugan's got uh, Ray Lewis Does on his he? leg. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Uh, I don't think his is the worst. That's for sure. Worst tattoos. I love ink, but I, I don't. I don't look a whole lot to be honest. A couple of blokes that stand for feeders. I'm never going to mock someone for forgetting their last name, but the spot that he's got on his leg and the lettering is a bit weird. I'm not a big fan of the the font that he chose. I just but... don't. I don't like neck tattoos. There you go. No, nah, I think I that's probably like neck... all, all hand, hands. Yeah, hand and neck. I'm not a big. I've on, got but... a sleeve, so <laughs> yeah. You know, but my I can cover that up very easily. I don't really have anyone I look at and go, they've got awful tattoos. To be honest, I can't. Hopefully, Dad's on. not listening. He hates tattoos. Nah. Too bad, Dad. We both got tattoos. So <laughs> Stephen Good. Hey, boys, do you think 28 or 30 is going to the magic number for finals and could it be the Dragons missing if their form slump continues? Oh, I think it'll be 30-32. I don't think they're going to miss the finals. That's How many wins they've got? They've got 13-14. Dragons, yeah. They'd have to lose all three. Nah, I don't think they're falling out. I don't think everyone under them is going to keep winning to push them out. Jeez, wouldn't it be interesting if they did fall out? Oh, if that, Two years in a row. But I'll tell you what, Whoa. if you could fall from leading the comp basically the whole way, to falling out of the finals, McGregor would be sacked for Well, sure. they led the comp at round 24, didn't they? Until Penrith beat him. Was that round 12 well, or 13? And they, that's when Penrith went to the top? They've got 13 wins, and the only team who has room to move in is the Tigers on 11. And then They a, could fall out then, theoretically. Well, they could, but they have to lose every game, like that's you right. said. Lose so Sharks three. have to win one or two more, Imagine or one that. more, Warriors one more, Brisbane <laughs> two more, and the Tigers would have to win two more and have better for and against. But that's your other issue there. The for and against is still 100 points better at the moment. So you're saying in the next three weeks, even if the Tigers won two more games and all those other teams won, they're going to rack up 100 points to drag them back in, no, which I, it's not going to happen. I don't know. So worst case, they could finish all the way down in eighth, but I think it's a huge call to say that all those teams would move in front of them. The Tigers would have to be 3-0. It's a chance, but it's but, an outside chance. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Robert Tamasvaro says, Boxhead, are you still in the teaching game? He certainly is. How did you or do you respond to kids that give you shit for the team you support? I can't imagine being a Titans fan. It would be a walk in the park. I'm a primary school teacher myself and have a Tigers shirt, mugs, caps, etc. So I constantly cop my fair share. Uh, look, I I give as good as I get. Usually I eat first. I get to the buffet and I eat first. Dig in. So I'll sledge before I get sledged. That's my game plan as a teacher in Mount Druitt. Um, you know, the kids are pretty open and honest, so... 
Certainly are. I figure I'm going to bowl the first bouncer. <laughs> that's, that's how it usually goes. Can't disagree with you. But love it. The, the kids at, in Western Sydney and in Mount Druitt love rugby league like you would not believe. Even the, the kids who are hanging out in the library, uh, those who weren't physically gifted you know, with the physique to be able to play footy, they love footy. It's just, you know, that, that demographic. So whatever people say about Mount Druitt, you hear a lot of negative. There is a lot of positive in Mount Druitt. That is, you know, there and Campbelltown. We, we coach in Campbelltown, obviously, and um, similar demographics. They love rugby league. They are the lifeblood of, of rugby yeah. league. So, no disagreement there. Love it. Thomas Vaughan, boys, what do you think of a rule change in direct contest for the ball? It's play on unless the ball hits the ground. Examples, last two weeks, the Roberts try and Hay no try from intercepts and marking contest from bombs. Does my head in waiting for 4,000 replays to see who did and didn't touch the ball. Keep it up. Agree. Agree. It uh, takes the team out of the game. Yeah, it's not intentional a lot of times, but when you I think I think it creates a grey area in the sense of in a try-scoring opportunity, whether you intentionally meant to bump it into them or not or regain it. I don't see how it's any different from infield. Me bobbling the ball into Brock and then getting it back and then you know being allowed to keep the football. Like If I've dropped the football into Brock and got it back, I've technically still lost the football and used him to gain advantage to get the ball back. So, um, you know, I, I saw that runaway last week and in an aerial contest, things happen so quickly you barely even realise it. I wish it was a try, but I just think you're creating a, a double standard there. If you're going to say in play, you can't do that. But, you know, in a contest where things happen spur of the moment, you're going to let it go. So, mm. uh, yeah, hard one for me. Mehor Maguire, more Pommy Span. Are the Raiders going to play John Bateman in the centres or as an edge second row? For me, I can see him uh, doing a lot to improve the awful goal line D. He's tough as old boots and maybe featuring on the opposite side to Whitehead, making tackles that Croker doesn't bother with. I don't think he'll be in the back line. Ooh. He won't be in the back line. I'd say back row. I think for me, I'm looking at the Lock. back row right now. Who they've got? They got what? Topine's definitely not moving off an edge. Topine and who's the other one? And people that agree uh, disagreed in the past when they said that he shouldn't be playing on the edge, give Papali? yourself a triple because he's absolutely dominant. I think Papali will stay at lock. Mm. Next year, your big question is who's your props? And that's the thing. I think Papali. Is still there? He'll be one. Yeah. They re signed Dunamis Louis, who's been doing a solid job. He's okay, yeah. But. They're going to need a prop. So realistically, you're looking at Liam Knight. It's going to have to play more minutes or one of these kids is going to have to push up. So I think Bateman, to me, is going to be a second rower. But the question is, Topine played prop the first year he got there. Would you move him off the edge? Because I certainly wouldn't. I think he's too destructive. I think maybe Papali might push up to play a bit of prop at times and Locke will be Elliot Whitehead. Whitehead's done a good job when he's played in the middle and just floated around. But um, I think if anything, they seem to have more back row options than they do front row options and someone's going to have to bite the bullet and play middle for him. But Bateman, he's not going to play centre in that team. If they've got Leilua Rapana, that combo will stay together. Croak is the captain. As much as I've said in the past, I think he's more a winger. He'll go straight back in that spot. Um, you know, Kotrick will be on that winger at fullback, depending on what happens next year with Jack Whiten. But I think Bateman will be playing back row. That's just my opinion. But yeah. yeah. Joel Banks, do you think having a shorter season with more emphasis on international games at the end of the season, like a rugby union sort of style uh. with four nations, or more tours to one country? Or another could be a better way to get more noticed on an international level. Well, you bring back the same issue we bring up every week, champion, when people say short in the season, TV dollar. It's the NRL that the advertisers and the TV networks are paying for. So if you're going to shorten the comp and get international football, where are they getting their money from? So um, at the end of the day, it is all about dollars and cents, unfortunately. And those tours, no offense, I've got zero interest in watching New Zealand and England play a tri series with Samoa or someone they're going to bash uh, every single game. 
it's nice to see Tonga emerging, but how they're going to maintain this? Are they going to increase their payer payments? Uh, payer payments? Uh, are people going to keep defecting and playing for them instead of playing for Australia, New Zealand? Um, I want to see international game grow as much as anyone, but the answer is not taking away from the NRL season. And if that did happen at the end, players would have to take pay cuts, and it's not going to happen. It's uh, unfortunate that one. Yeah, Michael Cooper. There's 30 seconds left, and you're four points down. You're 10 meters on your side of the half, and it's the last tackle. And you know to space out left. Who do you want to link up with? Maloney, Kikau, and Blake, Kiri, Cordner, and Mitchell, or Walker, Sutton, and Inglis. Uh, Kiri, Cordner, yeah. Mitchell. And again, I think in every one of those combinations, I look at the players and say, well, I'd take him over him or him over him. But, uh, you know, I love Walker and Inglis, uh, but Sutton, for me, good with the ball, not as physical in the back row. Kiri, Cordner, Mitchell, I think, has got the most balanced set up all around. How about John's Gidley and the Knight Rider? Oof. 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 I love Mad Dog. Maloney, kick, yeah, Maloney, kick out on Blake. Outstanding, I know, when you need to score points. But in-game, defensively, errors, uh, they come up with more out of any of those three pairings. How about Langer, Tallis, Sailor, Renoff? Yeah, I'd take Kiri Corden to Mitchell. But Maloney, kick out Blake would be a shoestring behind. How about Fittler, Girdler and Beckett? Boom, boom, Beckett. Oh. You're just coming up with random <laughs> shit now. Steve Lambie, any weight in Bennett to the Raiders in 2019 oh, as well? I tell you geez, what. really? He started there. He was up in the gym when I used to be there. I didn't even know that, that old Wayne started there. So, yeah, he did. Uh, he was with Don Furner Sr. Yeah. I tell you what, uh, of all the people that we're taking shots at and people saying about coaches being under pressure, if Ricky Stewart's not under pressure, I don't know who he is. I know he's a favourite son <laughs> and he's gone down there and he's done some good things for the club and he's good for the community and they all love him and the club's behind him, but... The results speak for themselves. Sorry he, to say. At the Sharks, at Parramatta, and since he's been back at the Raiders, by that one year they come second. He's missed the finals five times, I think, or four times. Raider, uh, Sharks, I don't think he made the finals once. Parramatta, he bailed out after a year, and mm. since the Roosters, uh, I don't think the percentages would be too pretty. Mm. So, But Benny there with that group, that'd be interesting. They're a very talented, loose group. I'm sure Benny would let the, the football flow, but can he bring a defensive edge? That's the bigger part of his game that he usually demands, so... Who knows? This this coaching merry-go-round could get seriously crazy in the off-season. It could get wild. And in saying that, I'm going to bring him up again. Michael Maguire. I'm pretty sure he's another one of these guys that spent time in camera coming yeah. through. There's another bloke that could be considered if that did happen. So, shit. Getting nuts. Daniel Friend, who's your smokey for the Clive Churchill? I backed Victor Adley, the lunatic, at $41. Yeah, I saw that. He, he sent us a private message. That's not a bad bet. If they get to the grand final and it's a you know, rugged game right. in the middle, he makes a couple of line breaks, sets a couple of tries up. When you're, looking to, <laughs> when you're looking to back somebody like that at long odds, you've hit all the key areas. Can they impact the game? Can they come up with a try assist, a big hit, or moments that you're just going to stand out? His biggest he barrier can. is just going to be getting there. Get, the Roosters yeah. just get there. And game time. Then you're in. How yeah. they use him? Does he start at 13? Do they use him off the bench? $41 will be uh, double what he'll be on game day. He'll be $20, well, $21. He'll be sure 100%. Especially if he's starting a lot. Sean Field, do you guys think it was a good idea for Canberra to re-sign Louis and Oldfield? Would you rather use that money to get Brimson or Norman? And do you think a coaching change would make any difference? Uh, well, coaching change, I think they need... Whoever's doing their defence needs a change in philosophy or they need a change in coach. Well, the assistant who does the attack does a great job, Mick Crawley. Yeah. And that's very obvious because they're the best attacking team in the company. Is has that been. Paul Crawley's brother? I think it is, mate. Mick Crawley. <laughs> he was at Newcastle. I just got to ask you, Kenny. Ivan. Yeah. Um... 
Yeah, you, can end, you can end the speculation here, mate. I think the big question here for you is, does Brimson or Norman want to go there? This is the thing when players bring up, why don't Newcastle do this or why aren't players going after the Broncos? If you think they didn't go after the Broncos kids, you're insane. If you don't think Canberra would be interested in AJ Brimson or Corey Norman, you're nuts. But who says they want to go there? Everyone the other week said that Aaron Wood should go to Newcastle and Nathan Brown hit on the head. It's all well and good for you to want him to go here and us to want him here, but does he want to come here? We rang him, he said no. Yeah. So I think that AJ Brimson doesn't want a bar of Canberra and Corey Norman, he may not have many options left, but would he move to Canberra? I don't know. I'd be interested in, in Norman, but they're not going to miss out on Corey Norman because they re-signed Louis and Oldfield. They re-signed those guys because they've lost two front rowers that are already on their cap for a hefty amount of money. So it's not affecting their ability to go get one of those two players. The question is, do one of those guys want to go there? Yeah. Uh, Shazal Sheikh, can LG's off to Manly for next year? Besides his turnstile defense, hope we hire a professional coach uh, to help him there. Do we think he's a first grade half or just there for depth? Uh, first grade half, definitely. Well, he got the player of the year in the under 20s, which proves that he's a quality footballer. The year before the injury, he was one of the better halves in the competition. So he was chased by many clubs prior to that. Manly was one of them to pair up with Daly Chair Evans, talk of close to $600,000 prior to that ACL. Yeah. The question is can you get him confident? happy and in front of blokes again because that's the thing that people don't realise off an ACL. You generally don't play your best football straight away. Some guys come back, play above expectation, but a good off-season, feeling a bit of love at a club with uh, you know some good players around him, I don't think there's no doubt that he could certainly make an impact and he's a first-grader. What anyone says, Josh McCurran played 100-something bloody-plus games. There's a lot of guys there that have played some first-grade that I'd say can have just better than. Yeah. So he's a first-grader. Zach Prevera, how does Maloney not get hooked from the field sometimes? Never seen a player miss so many tackles and throw so many intercepts that lead to tries. Do the Panthers start minus eight when he's on the field? Great for the first half of the year, I'll give him that. I know he's broken at the moment, so they should have rested him eight games ago. Yeah, we agree with yeah, that. Yeah, we agree with everything you've just said. Sydney Miller, could Peachy play at fullback or 5'8 next year at the Titans? Who will play fullback for the Cowboys next year if they cannot get Holmes and Coot leaves? Uh, Geller Mosby looked all right, but just gave up that chase. On Roberts and could Wilford come back and coach the Panthers? Well, no. He's barely... Who? Simon Wilford. He's an absolute snowflakes chance in hell. He's only just taken a job in England. They said they weren't going to hire a rookie coach, and if they were, Holbrook, Demetrio, and there's a lot of guys in front of him as far as time spent and proven track record. Hmm. So that's not happening. For the Cowboys, their homes or bust, they might have to wait an extra year because the Sharks have already said that in Flanagan a million times. There's no way he's going, and they're not re-signing Barber. Yeah. Uh, who would they use otherwise? They could use Geller Mosby there for a year. They could move Michael Morgan there if they want to play Clifford in the halves with Tamari Martin, if they think that's a possibility. I don't think that's a strong enough halves combination, though, so I don't see that happening. Uh, a fill-in for the year, who knows? I, I, I think Jerome Hughes just re-signed with Melbourne, so they can't explore that avenue of getting him up there. Mm. Um, but if there was a stopgap for the year, like I've said before, you don't want to go out and waste money for the sake of wasting money. If they generally feel next year uh, that they've got a chance in the comp, then you go and try and chase someone. But I'm sure the Cowboys have looked at their roster for next year and realised it's going to be a bit of a building year. Hold off and get homes for the year after if the Sharks aren't going to let him go. But I wouldn't be going to waste all my money. Yeah, I agree. So, and could Capici play fullback or 5-8? Well, yeah. well, I don't understand why the Titans just bought Tyron Roberts. And you've got Brimson. They should never and you've got know. Peachy. There's money spent in areas there, like I said before. For me, if Peachy's coming up there on $600,000, he can't play in the centres. He needs to be on the football. So uh, between Brimson, Peachy, and him, if Gordon, who's definitely moving on, basically from all reports and what he said, uh, I would have been happy to have Taylor 
Brimson and Peachy as my six one seven. Uh, whether Peachy's one or six, more likely six and Brimson at fullback. Yeah. But yeah. Joel Bradica, boys, how much do you know about George Williams from the UK? Looks good on YouTube. Knight's very interested in him, I hear. Yeah, he goes okay. Good ball runner. Running, yeah, running yeah. player. Still gonna learn a bit more, obviously, about the, you know, uh structure side of the game, the kicking game bits and pieces. The NRL's a bit different, but I think he's physically big enough to make an impact out here behind a good forward pack and play outside Pierce. He'd be a good go partner. Okay. But yeah. He's young enough. He's got time. Duncan Bridgeford, can you see Griffin getting another head coaching role in the future or do you think he's done? Uh, I think he's done in Australia. I think Australia should have been done for him prior to Penrith hiring him. Uh, we, we were against the hiring in the first place when it and happened. And that's nothing so. personal. No, it's not personal. It's just going off what we saw at Brisbane. He had all the. If you can't succeed at Brisbane to me, it's going to be a struggle to succeed in most places. Yeah. Um, but England, definitely a possibility. I, I definitely don't think we'll see him coaching in the NRL again, that's for sure. Uh, the Rugby League doesn't speak to me anymore. JDHT says, The Dragons are determined to send me bold in my 20s. Yeah, they are. Yep. You're 100% right. Not going <laughs> to right. disagree with that. Yeah. Darren Korn, Eels form last four weeks. Does Norman solve the Eels fullback position no, uh, going no, forward? No, it's been Russian roulette in that they've just keep well, they've told switching him the chamber around and so, firing bullets in different directions. It's definitely not Bevan French, though. He's talked to it. He wants to leave. He can leave. See you, Bevan. His attitude this year has been awful. He's he comes games, to the Titans and he's filthy. Oh, mate. If they buy him as well, dead set. Uh, MCB74 at McBall says, after two losses in a row, what do the Storm need to do to get their premiership defence back on track? Cut out the well, errors. They play, t- they play two good teams. Yeah, but they definitely need to cut out the errors. Yeah. You can't be 15th in completions. What speaks to me, like I said, is that you can be second in defence, third in attack, but be second last in completions. Yeah. So if they can just tighten that up, they'll win more games than they lose. But they need to be much more careful in that regard this year because they're not as talented. I think that's the bigger thing for me. Last year, if they were 15th in completions with the side they had, I still think they could have held on and beat just about anybody. This year, without a seven, with Hoffman out that edge, who's now gone, we don't really have a, a legitimate back row option. The front row got a little bit weaker as well. The outside backs aren't playing as well. Like We're, we're just a step behind in a lot of areas that we were last year. Yeah, um, Seven, to me, is a big hole. Those, those errors just can't happen, that's for sure. Joey, Dragons man forever. If you're the coach of the Dragons, would you like to make any change to the team at all? And if so, who? What game plan change would you make or is it too late? I really think McGregor has cooked this side and the team doesn't believe in the game plan that's been given zero confidence. No, I, you can't change it now. Well, what are you going to change? It's like Their strength is their forward pack. Your forward pack needs to stand up and I think they're cooked. You've lost one of your key halves. I don't think Mann was the choice to go in at play at six. I think Field, they're, they're going to keep him around and sign him. They don't know if he's a one or a six. Like. Don't sign blokes and keep them in your top 30 if you don't trust them. And that's my half my problem with your bench right now. Yep. He doesn't trust the bench forwards. What are you signing them for? Go out and get guys you do trust and you're going to play. Correct. So for me, I would have put Field in at six. That's probably the only change. As far as game plan, you have to coach the players you've got. The way they play suits the players they've got. They get offloads off the forward pack rolling forward. But at the moment, they're not rolling forward. They've got nothing to play off the back of and they can't get early board of those halves for Hunt and Widop to play with them. Now that the forward pack's missing Vaughan and they're missing Widop, I think they're just going to be a step behind and they're going to fizzle out. Liam, uh, he here, Storm fan, says, a lot of talk this week about who's going to be coaching where and when. It made me think a little bit about my own team, the Storm. Thoughts on Billy and Cam joining the coaching staff after retiring and Riles to take the top job when Billy at leaves in 2021. Yeah, well... Well, they like Riles and O'Brien and the talk was O'Brien was a big possibility, but there's been talk today and the next question actually brings it up that Adam O'Brien is being chased by the Roosters next year to move up in the company Trent Robinson. So there you go. for a bloke that's potentially in the seat to take the Melbourne job, 
I don't understand why moving to the Roosters would get you closer to an NRL job anytime soon because Robinson just signed a five-year contract. So yeah, um, is it just a growth opportunity at a new club to learn new things uh, because he can't get the job at Melbourne? Would he be offered to come back to Melbourne in a couple of years' time if they do have Rapson and think he's the man? I don't know. Mm. Um, but for the Storm side of things, I wouldn't be worried too much about that at the moment, mate. There's plenty of time in between now and Bellamy. His son's been there. I'm sure his son's a pretty smart bloke. He's spent a lot of time around him. They've got raps on Riles. They like Adam O'Brien. Um, but the fact that Craig's just re-signed, I don't think that's a real big issue three years out. No. Um, at, the, at the end of next year, heading into you know the last year, 18 months out, I think they'll be seriously looking at who's going to be taking the reins, moving to that year after and getting them more involved. Gavin Ernie Oz, have you heard of that Adam O'Brien move to the Roosters? Yes, I have thought of that. Uh, I have heard of that. My thoughts, if it happens, Brock probably more in place to me, but... Moving to the Roosters, if you're potentially the next in line to the Storm, what does that say? Does this say, I want to go out and learn from somebody else and yeah, grow as a coach because that the past been blocked Craig, for another couple of Craig years? Craig Bellamy is not going anywhere in the near future. That's probably what it means. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to get that job there, so it's and just a learning curve. And probably thinking, well, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, is he happy just being an assistant? Because the I, Roosters... I don't, I don't know. Is he from up. Sydney? Is he, does he want to move here? It, there'd probably be a little bit more to it. Yeah. Well, I don't know, but we'll have to wait. So, Mark Hindle, should I renew my Raiders season ticket for 2019? I'll slam my fingers in the car nah, door each weekend nah. until Ricky gets punted. Renew. You Either way, renew. it's bound to be painful, right? Renew. Uh, you got to back your club. you got to get in behind him. Uh, Luke Klein, do you blokes rate Neil Henry? I reckon he's got has pretty good form and deserves another crack. Yeah. But was a victim of the perfect storm that was Hayne plus an internet board at the Gold Coast Titans. He had the Titans really overachieving before Hayne arrived. Yeah, agree with that. Good coach, proven track record. I think Canberra was probably his best work. Uh, got that team firing and attacking, one of the best teams at home. And then the Cowboys, he kind of grew, wore them out. And the Titans, obviously, the clash last year. I think he's a good coach. But like I said earlier, if that manly job is one he's interested in, I think that's a dead end. John Pappas, not a question per se, but would be interested in a brief discussion on common structures in modern game. We're often hearing about block plays, sweeping plays, etc. But it would be cool to hear how different plays are implemented and when, which teams, coaches, etc. Mm. That's that's yeah, heavy. That's heavy. Well, you don't want me to start on that because we'll be here all night. Um, block plays and sweep plays are just a general shape that people use when you they're just looking run it from a certain spot. Running. So a lot of teams obviously set that stuff up from a tram, and the tram is the 20 meter mark is either side of the field. A lot of teams at the moment are going to the posts. Yeah. So they split the field, got players each side. That's why I like what the Rabbitohs are doing there. They're shifting on a shift. So they'll they'll shift all the way to the left side, for example. Yeah. And, they'll and then reset. they'll just, no, well, they'll, they'll play the ball and then shift it straight back to the other side without that set up play. And that's why they're scoring a lot of points. On top of that, I think I mentioned this before, they're not just running the double block with the lead runners and the sweet runners. They're running double leads off that shape. They're running the lead runner into the line who's doing a wraparound, which then takes yeah, him away from being an obstruction. Um, the time of using those plays you're speaking about, well, they obviously don't use them coming out of yardage. Those plays are used in attacking situations where they're basically just trying to get defenders to bite in. And the whole thing about running those decoys and the sweeps and the blocks and the lead runners is just to try and get guys to make a bad read so you can create space and you know pass around them, really. But there's no great explanation needed as to when people... I uh, want to use those plays. It's more where Brock said, what point you want to play from? Do you think there's a weakness or someone you can get at? Do you put a variation on that play? Um, but, yeah, realistically, those those are used in good ball, trying yep. to score points. Rugby League doesn't speak to me anymore. How is the Dragons' depth so poor? They have dibs on every junior uh, from Cogra to Shell Harbour, but only Layla and Dufty have gotten significant game time this year. 
Are the kids really so piss poor that they don't deserve a crack or are the coaching staff too conservative? The well, kids aren't as good as you think. Illawarra, yes. St. George, they don't have a lot there. Uh, when I watch the cup side, I see some good footballers there, but at times of field, and a lot of these dudes, uh, you know, Jacob Host the last couple of years, etc. Harmo Sello, who was playing and suddenly now he can't play. I think they're too conservative and they don't trust their bench. Like I said, if you don't trust them, go buy blacks. I don't understand it. Like Laurie, you re-sign him, but you won't play him either. Like, if you don't trust them or you're not going to play him, don't sign him. Simple. But, yeah, I think with Brock, some guys need a bit more development, that's for sure. Jason Durham says... No, I, was, I was talking more from a Matson ball. Oh, that's what I thought the question no, was. No, he's talking about to. first grade depth. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ryan, Jason Durham, he sent us a classic Kenty from our mate Buzz here. But we still need to get on the show, as a matter of fact. So, anyway. Yeah, I think, I think Kenny said head job last night. Instead of head coach, well, he enough. said, oh, he's not going to get a head job straight away or something. I think it's lines. just a, but Kenty, we'll have to listen to that one later, Kenty. Uh, later, Jason. Cheers for that one. Ryan Vigilante says, if Bennett leaves, how many players do you think will leave with him? Who do you think is the best replacement for Bennett? Well, Why would players leave with him? The best replacement is Anthony Seabold. The question is, can they get him? Hmm. If they can get him. But don't think it's going to happen. Casper, not a question, but fuck being a Dragons fan is hard. Choke City year after year. At least uh, you're in the eight. Yeah, I bet so. Every Did time you see someone, how my team lost on the weekend? Every time someone brings up about their team, I'm like, but what about poor Boxhead here? Yeah. Think, think about Boxhead and the Titans. It's been a hard time for Brock for Good a long times. period of time. And, and the Falcons and every other team I support. That's right. The last one we've got here, Dominic Coogan. Is Alex Johnston a way bigger loss than people are giving credit for? Can Gagai fill his shoes? Well, Gagai doesn't have the ball-playing ability as much as people uh, like to think that look at meters and stats and they're all nice and pretty. Gagai's good in yardage. He does help out, but... Johnston's better positionally. He's a better support player. He's a better ball player, uh, but does hurt the way they've been playing the football. And the fact is they've got cohesion of playing after 18, 19 games of him being at fullback or whatever. So uh, it does hurt them. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. All righty. Moving on. Tips, uh, odds, gossip, etc. cetera. Keith, old gossy. Yeah. He's busy again. We haven't heard from him. So we don't have any gossip. Oh, let's get the show on the road. And we don't have his tips. We've got homemade pizza on the go. So unless we hear something back from him for the time being, uh, you know. Well, no, yeah. No gossip. What more gossip do you need? Everyone knows what's out there. Yeah, exactly. There's not a lot cooking at the back end of the season There's right not. now. It's basically all the Griffin stuff and coaches and all the bits and pieces we've already told you about Neil Henry and the line for this. Barrett threatening, potentially yeah. looking to go back to Penrith and posturing up. Seabold, Brisbane, etc. Everything we spoke about. So there's not a whole lot there. Right, let's get um, these tips done. Tips and odds brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. Big thanks to the boys again, like we said, the charity account, Brock, uh, running and raising $1,200 over the weekend. Thanks to everyone that chipped in there for the his city to surf effort. Charity account, Sharky's at 280. Got a win there. Close to $900 in their account. The boys, they bet on the Titans, the eight start for their best bet. Another winner. Nine from 12. Ka-ching. 75% strike rate. Get behind them. Uh, the affiliate links for Parnham a bet and all the ones sign up with them. You get bonus bets there. I think 50 in, 150 back. Um, and the tips package, I said it last week, I think Brock would agree. If you're going to test that any time, half price, do 99 it. for your first month, do it the last few weeks of the season. Yeah. Um, get a taste for it and then maybe get back on board next year. But they're sitting at a nice profit of close to $2,000 for the year. That took a little bit of a hit last week, but bounced back up this week. So I think they're sitting about the 2K mark. But big thanks to all the boys there at the Pro Sports Syndicate. But tips last week. Gossip, he got seven. He had a crack around. I got six, so I tipped a couple upsets as well. The Raiders ones eventually what hurt me would have put me over the top, and you got five. So the subtotal now, I'm on 95, you're on 93, and Gossip's clawed back from eight behind to be on 92. 
So we're two and three apart here on the run home. This this has got a nice finish to yeah, it, it, I think, Boxhead. Uh, but the first game we've got for the weekend, we kick things off. Broncos versus South up there at Suncorp Stadium for the Broncos. Car, who's back in here, replaces Shibasaki. Maguire's back at lock. Lodge and Pengai Jr. are back in to start with the feeder and offhand Gowie back to the bench. For the Rabbitohs, Johnston's out. Gagai moves to fullback and Terrell Fulimano is in the centres. But on the bench, Marween Hiroti, a bloke I've mentioned before, a good footballer. I don't understand how you have a centre winger play off the bench. South. I get the feeling he's going to be back into the starting lineup. But uh, South. Yeah, despite the injuries, I'm with you. I'm going to back South. Brisbane have been playing really, really poor. They're going to have to show me something. So They beat South earlier in the year too. Yep, they sure did. And with... The Pro Sports Syndicate, the Broncos, two twenty five, South Sydney, a dollar sixty five. The line, minus two and a half, one to twelve, three thirty five. The Broncos, two eighty for South, thirteen plus six dollars Broncos, three forty for South. Next one, Manly versus the Titans. It's at Manly. Manly in this situation have got Lloyd Perrett replacing Taniala Paseca on the bench, and their only change for the Titans, Branko Lee returns in the centers in replace of Brendan Elliott. Uh your mob are just way too unpredictable. I think they've Got the ability to blow teams off the park, but they beat Manly at Gladstone early in the year, and it's Manly. a fail. So I think they'll want Manly. to bounce back. So Manly. I'll stick with Manly, but I think this could go either way. This game, given both teams are a bit Jekyll and Hyde, but the odds for that one with the Pro Sports Syndicate, Manly dollar forty eight favorite at home, two sixty five for the Titans, minus six and a half the line, one to twelve Manly, two ninety four dollars the Titans, thirteen plus two sixty five for Manly, seven dollars for the Titans. Storm versus the Eels down there in Melbourne. Uh, Chase Blair replaces the injured Ryan Hoffman on the bench, which kind of surprises me. Uh, I know they can play him because he's a bit of a bigger body, but I thought maybe Albert Vette or Tui Kamika Mika or Brandon Smith would be handier for the bench, but each their own. Tim Manor comes back in to replace Kane Evans in the front row. Oregon Kafusi is going to debut for the Parramatta Eels. He's a good young forward, Oregon. Mm. Uh, he's only 19 playing Cup Coach this year. him in Sydney Gold, so yeah. there you go. Only a baby. He's I'm a pretty baby, sure he's only 19 still. This year. Yeah. I've watched him in cup. He's had some good games. He's had some up and down games, but that's what you expect. From 2014, 19. he was under 15s. 16. So, yeah, he's... He's 19. 19. Crazy. Big kid. Uh, big future, but that's the change that they've got there for their side of things. Uh, I think this will be a close game. Close to what people expect. I think Parra's up for it. I think they want a bit of revenge after that last year. Storm. I'm definitely back in the storm, but I tell you what, depending on what Bounce the, back. the start is on this game, I might take a piece of it. I'm with the Pro Sports Syndicate. Melbourne, a dollar twenty-two favorite. Parramatta, four dollars fifty. You get twelve and a half start. I'd no, take that. I, no, I wouldn't be flirting with any of that. I'd take the start on Para. Melbourne, one to twelve, two ninety-five, twenty-five for the Eels. Thirteen plus Melbourne, two dollars, thirteen dollars for the Eels. The Panthers versus the Knights. Sunny Saturday afternoon football here in the heart of the West. Panthers. Tarmow comes back into the front row to replace Jack Hetherington. Tyra May replaces James Maloney. On the bench, Laota and Egan for Newcastle. They're unchanged, but there's rumours that Ponga may be rested because his ankle is poor. Mm. Nothing could steer me away from tipping Penrith despite the fact they are the heart stoppers week in, week out. Newcastle flat, home game, sunshine. I expect a big score. Yeah, I'll tip Penrith. I've got no confidence in him, but... I think this has to be a statement game. It really has to be, so... See what happens, but yeah, it's time to go bang. A dollar twenty-eight for the Panthers, for the Pro Sports Syndicate, three sixty-five for the Knights, minus ten the line. One to twelve Penrith, two ninety-five dollars for the Knights, thirteen plus two fifteen for Penrith, ten dollars for the Knights. Tigers Dragons, big game in the scheme of things for both these sides, but none more so than the Tigers on their side of things. 
Mahia Fanua, he's back. He returns in the centers. So Naguama pushes out to the wing. Malachi Zalesniak is dropped. Chris Lawrence also returns in the second row. Matt Eisenhuth moves back to the bench and Jacob Little is out. So a little bit stronger for the Tigers side of things. For the Dragons, Widop is out. Mann goes to 5'8". McInnes and Tyson Frizzell to share the captaincy. Lisa Armour is named to start with Lucci, Arno, Leilua on the bench and Jacob Hirsch, uh, host, returns to play off the bench. Uh, it's at Leichhardt. It's the Tigers. West uh, Tigers. I think the Tigers will get them again. I really do. And... Yeah, the, the Dragons are going to have to show some serious fight this weekend. Otherwise, yeah, like I said, I really do think their season is over. With the Pro Sports Syndicate, a dollar eighty for the Tigers, two dollars for the Dragons, minus one and a half the line. One to twelve Tigers, two eighty three fifteen for the Dragons, thirteen plus the Tigers, four dollars five twenty five for the Dragons. Sharks North Queensland, it's at the Prism. A uh, big game for them to keep pushing for a potential top four spot because it's still there for them, depending on results and how they go. Changes for them. Wade Graham, he's out with his knee. So Scott Sorensen starts in the back row with Kurt Catewell back to the onto the bench. And for the Cowboys, John Asiata replaces the suspended Jason Tamalolo. That's huge. If Jason Tamalolo is out, that's very easy for me to pick. Sharks. Go on the Cronulla. At Cronulla. Um, wow. That's a big blow. I didn't even... What did he get suspended for? It was a shoulder charge or something, I think, yeah. I read. I don't even remember that one, to be yeah. honest. But Hit someone late off the ball, I'm pretty sure. That's big. $1.42, Cronulla. 285 for the Cowboys, minus eight the line. One to 12 Sharks, 290, 450 for the Cowboys. 13 plus for the Sharks, 240, 750 for the Cowboys. And I think the last two games we've got here Warriors versus the Dogs on the doggy side of things. Lachlan Lewis returns at 5 8. The Warriors are unchanged. Uh, this is straightforward. The Warriors away record is better than their home record. So you can't use that excuse this year. They've been outstanding on the road. I think uh, they're a shoe in to win this game of football. $2.50 are the Dogs. $1.54 are the Warriors for the Pro Sports Syndicate. Minus five and a half the line. One to 12 Dogs, 380. $2.90 for the Warriors. 13 plus for the Dogs, 650. $2.85 for the Warriors. Last game of the round, Raiders, Roosters. The Raiders are a banana peel game for anyone, but you just don't know what team's going to turn up. Brad Abbey, he's back at fullback. Kotrick returns to the wing, and they've got a debutant, Emre Gula. Young Southford they poached a couple of years ago. He's played 20s in cup. He replaces Jack Murchie on the bench for his debut. For the Roosters, Dylan Arthur starts for Jared Rea Hargraves and Nat Butcher joins the bench. Just a potential upset, I reckon. I think it is too, and it's down in Canberra. But I'm I, tipping the Roosters. I don't think the Roosters will falter in this circumstance. And um, The Raiders, they've they faltered so many times this year that you know they could have another 9 or 10 wins, but they just don't because they're mentally weak. Yep. And the odds for that one with the Pro Sports Syndicate, 290 for the Raiders, $1.42 for the Roosters. Minus seven and a half is the line. One to twelve Raiders, four fifty, two ninety for the Roosters. Thirteen plus seven dollars for the Raiders, two dollars fifty for the Roosters. And there you have it. Another massive episode of the fifth and last NRL podcast. You've got everything. Set of six fan questions, power rankings, game reviews, tips. No gossip, but like we said, basically everything uh, we spoke about. It's already out there in the open. We've spoke to gossip about it. Big thank you to all our sponsors, Penrith Solar Centre. Make sure you get in contact with the boys there, Jake and the mob, uh, au. Mention the podcast. That time of year is coming up. Save yourself lots of money. If you're a tradesman like myself, Nepean Boltmaster, www.nepbolt.com.au. You can get all your tools, all your bits and pieces, nuts, bolts, and bits for the jobs. They've got it all covered. Total sourcing packages for you there in that circumstance. And the Pro Sports Syndicate, massive thank you to Matt, Will, and all the boys there. Huge supporters of the show. 
support the charity account. Uh, huge for us there. Big support. They didn't have to do that. But Bears of Hope, Boxhead, great job by him, raising 1200 on the weekend. 900 in the charity account, over 2000 raised for them. Hopefully, we can win another five, 600 before season ends and get close to the $3,000 mark for the Bears of Hope. Half price for your first month with a Pro Sports Syndicate for those tips. And if you don't get a return of profit, you get your second month for free. $99, no locking contracts, cancel any time. Back into the season, now is the time to try the boys at the Pro Sports Syndicate. Their best bets speak for themselves. Nine from 12, 75% strike rate. Get on board with those. Sign up with those affiliate links. Palmer Bet, whoever we have up there. Benefit from the bonus bets. And thank you to the Pro Sports Syndicate. There you go. Done for another week. Potential charity bets. Looking at the Warriors. Don't mind them at $1.54. Don't mind the Sharks at $1.42. If you can come up with something there with maybe one of those teams. Uh, don't mind Penrith, but obviously, again, harder to trust. But who knows? I think the Warriors, 13 plus at 285, looks a little bit juicy. I think the poor old doggies might be a little bit flat, but have to wait and see what happens. But for now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where you, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 